My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a WNR podcast with my friend, Dan Mike. And every month, we bring you the latest collections, newest content, 205 Live, and the crown jewel of the WNR NXT update. Also, each month, the latest pay-per-views, and we are live, not only for the big four, but every takeover as well. Plus, in 2019, we go back 20 years and witness the attitude rise and the WCW's demise. Until we've watched everything, we're with you and we we are the WNR. Yes, hello. I am James Rowland, and as always, I'm joined by Dan White. And today it's a WNR two three four. It's WWE versus WCW. And on today's show, we've got WF fully loaded nine ninety nine, one Raw, and one Nitro. But before we do anything, let's start with the alternate intro. And James Bond pointing a gun at Electra says, "Call it off. I won't ask again. Call it off. Call it off. You wouldn't kill me. You'd miss me. Dive, Bond." Well, Bond shoots and she falls into her bed, dead. I know. And that's from Well's Not Enough, which came out in 1999. Well, I'm so glad that you didn't do the uh, Sean Connery Bond accent yeah, with that. And now we move on to the intro. In 1999, WCW and WWF were the two biggest companies in the world. And for the past couple of years, had traded the number one slot. But as the year started, it seemed WWF had a plan to continue its hugely successful Attitude Era while WCW had seemingly lost the plot. Rather than focusing on the younger talents like Booker T, Jericho, Benoit and the Super Over Goldberg, it instead pushed over the Hill stars Hogan, Piper and Flair and continued the NWO even though it had passed its peak. This year, the WNR podcast goes back 20 years and witnesses the WWE's rise and the WCW's demise. This is WWE versus WCW, Monday Night War, July 1999. Well, we start off in the WF and we are heading for the end of an era match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker with Vincent Mann's future on the line. Also, The Rock would face Triple H in a strap match, plus Ken Sharrett look for revenge versus Steve Blackman. It is the 25th of July 1999 and we're in Buffalo, New York. The arena is Marine Midland Arena. And the attendance is 16,605. And as always, your commentators are good old JR and Jerry the King Lawler. Yeah, I mean, the pay-per-view buy rate for this was 0.94, which is great during this Attitude Era's run. So let's just run through the car quickly. We start off with the WF Intercontinental title on the line. Edge versus Jeff Jarrett. That's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T. We've got a WWF World Tag Team title, three-on-one handicap, no disqualification match. And it is Michael Hayes and the Hardy Boys, Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy versus the Acolytes, or an Acolyte, I presume. We've got the European title match, Midian versus D'Lo Brown. We've got the WWF Hardcore title match, Al Snow versus the Big Bossman. We've got special referee, Hardcore Holly, is officiating Kane versus Big Show. We've got an Iron Circle match, Ken Shamrock versus Steve Blackman. The rights to DX tag team match, China and Mr. Ass versus the Road Dog and X-Puck. 
We've got a Fool's Count Anywhere strap match. The Rock versus Triple H. Main event, the WF World Heavyweight title. First blood, end of an era match. Steve Austin versus Young Taker with Vince McMahon. So for just a standard pay-per-view, there are a few uh, extreme rules stipulations. Without a doubt, I mean, like I said, we are bang in the middle of the attitude era where Vince McMahon might call it kind of the gory crap, but this is what every kind of match did have a stipulation to it. Uh, and I absolutely love Fully Load Night 99. It's one of my favourite pay-per-views. I remember seeing it as a young boy 20 years ago. Like I said, I did write a review for it, but I can't find it at the moment. But I absolutely love Fully Load. It is one of my favourites. But before the event aired live on pay-per-view, the pre-show Sunday Night Heat aired live, featuring three matches. In the first match, defeated Joey Az by pinning him half after a powerbomb. In the second match, the Godfather defeated Meat by pinning him performing a Death Valley driver, which he called the Pimp Drop. And in the final match, Christian defeated Viscera by pinning Viscera with a roll-up after Christian's, the brood teammate Gangrel, attached Viscera. At the end of the Sunday Night Heat broadcast, WWE champion Steve Austin was set to do an interview regarding his match later in the evening. As he was making comments, he was a his opponent, The Undertaker. Austin was lacerated, giving him a disadvantage in the first blood match. And it's, again, a fantastic story told by the WF, even through heat, you know, the hour before the build-up. And in the first blood match, Austin getting busted open again. We know he's been struggling recently. And therein lies the story. The Undertaker already has the advantage as the pay-per-view begins. And we start with the opening promo. I'll be missing you when you go. Then you go far away. Somebody's gotta go and go for good. But I'll be wishing too that you know that I will smile and say this will be the end of an era. Remember all the nights we shared together, and I'll remember every word you said. Yes, I'll be missing you when you go, oh, when you go far away. Vince, we will see you last later. The stakes are high. Somebody's gonna bleed. The highest they've ever been. Somebody's gonna bleed. This will be the end of an era. The end of an era. Yeah, I mean, another thing I love about the Attitude Era is the kind of story told throughout the opening promo videos as well. Very similar, as we've seen, these kind of old, grainy videos put into the kind of live action that we have now. We saw it at the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, and even last year in 1998, about Austin versus McMahon. It's the kind of the man versus the machine, and someone's got to go and go for good, and would it be Vincent Mann here tonight? These stakes are as high as they've ever been. So with the opening promo, I've noticed kind of like a, a vast difference to the opening promos now. I mean, this is just focusing on Austin versus McMahon. That's not even the match. It is Austin versus mm-hmm. The Undertaker tonight. But, um, you know, nowadays they focus like they have a little segment on one match and a little segment on the other match and the other match. And yes, you know, all these matches, they have got a bit of meaning. We've seen like Steve Blackman and... Um, in there, like coming together, we've seen the Hardys and the Acolytes, we've seen there coming together, 
But, you know, it is just seemingly focusing on this one match. Yeah. And I think there is a difference. WWE now is a company where it goes on its WWE name. And back then, it went on whoever the star was at the time. And not since John Cena. And even John Cena's admitted that now, that there's not going to be one kind of franchise player in the WWE. It's going to be a collective unit. Whereas Austin was the leading force during all this time. You know, not much like Hogan was before him. Well, do you think... This is kind of what they need. I know they've been sort of, they, they was pushing Roman Reigns as it. They're kind of now pushing Seth Rollins as the main man. But do you think they should kind of focus on one thing? You know, like the Kevin Owens storyline should kind of take precedence over pretty much everything else at the moment. Or The, the problem is with that is overexposure and the fans getting bored of it. Because even Seth Rollins now, as I said, he started to get a different reaction because fans are kind of getting bored of it. And I think the one guy that can come across now who is that likeable, who who can get the crowd behind 100%. You know, look at Kofi Kingston, look at maybe Daniel Bryan could have done. But even then, you know, the reaction when he did come back with the yes chance was subdued. With Austin, Hogan, even the reaction they got was 100% all the time. And to have a superstar built up like that again, I just don't think WWF will do it. I, I think they're, they're trying do now and we just won't see that kind of one star again which is a shame because like I said the paper you started off and it's all about Austin being busted open on heat as we've seen McMahon's are happy about that and saying well that's not good for Stone Cold and Stone Cold's backstage bleeding and not happy that he could lose his uh, title again tonight but speaking of championships the Intercontinental title is on the line and Edge the new champs coming out here see remember when Edge used to come in through the crowd <laughs> Well, J.I. informs us that last night at the Toronto Skydome, Edge and Jeff Jarrett faced off for the IC title, and Edge came away winner. His first major singles title. Major, major singles, singles title. So who would have thought, you know, this guy here would have been, what, an 11-time WWE champion? That, you know, it just shows what we talk about building superstars. Even though this has got a story focused on the one guy, all these other guys that came from success who is on the card here. They talk about Edge, you know, people like The Rock all underneath here and just building the way through Edge at the well, moment. So, you know, in this match, we've got Edge, he's WWE champion, uh, Hardy Boys versus Yakalites, Bradshaw was champ, Jeff Hardy was champ, Midian D'Lo, well... Yeah. Well, let's not discredit Jeff Jarrett. He would be WCW champion by, I think, the end of the year. You know what I mean? So when you yeah, look but David at... David Arquette was a WCW champion, so I don't but think still, that holds much stead in this time. four-time WCW champion, you know, Jeff Jarrett and with TNA as well. Has had a lot of success, and of course now he's welcome back in the uh, umbrella of the WWE family, so to speak. Would Jarrett have been WWE champ if he had have stayed with WWE? Well, he was going to feud with Austin, but Austin didn't think Jeff Jarrett was compatible, competitive enough to be in that kind of main event run. That was the plan after the untake. It was going to be Jeff Jarrett involved. Vince Russo, of course, one of the writers, was a big fan of him, and Austin just didn't feel... You know, they have a few interactions at this point but he just thought he wasn't the star. Then again, Austin felt the same about Triple H. And the question is then, if with Austin and his injury and stuff like that, it gave Triple H a chance. So would Jeff Jarrett have done it? I don't know. Like, talk about him as a world champion. But then again, at this point, you would have put Edge anywhere near the picture. And, you know, that would still be like six years away from that as well. And that's nearly like kind of whole career in WWE at this point. Yeah, but you can go back 11 years and look at Kofi. No one have ever said he would exactly. have been WWE champ. And this is what is, it's not just a kind of guy that comes along and just gets on top. You know, when you look at these stories of a wrestler, you know, year in, year out, different types of character, different, you know, fighting their way through and then finally get to that level. Because Edge was a point in his career where, you know, he was known as the guy that never won the world title as well. So, 
this is just to, you know talk about change of character it's rated r for him with jeff jack it was a kind of same gimmick slap nuts and all that at least edgy's happy i think there's no denying though jeff jack's a solid worker isn't there you know he's not yeah. like they just got really big teeth deborah's got really big heels on oh she... big underwear on there we go match started jeff went for the go behind takes edgy down with a drop toe hold and it's uh the veteran versus the the newbie in this one. The young upstart. Couple of headlock takes down, but take that. Kind of getting out of them all. Third time. And a third time, Edge is getting out of it. And the fans want puppies. And a face off and a couple of shoves each. And Edge comes out on top on that one. Fresh whip and Edge with a lovely spinning heel kick. And now Edge. Jeff and get out of here quickly. And he gets a two count though. Two. So AEW's Jim Ross is on commentary and AEW's shirt stealer Hebner is refing this match. Exactly. Edge with a springboard fake out. Jarrett ducks and Edge catches him with a sunset flip into the cover but only a two count again. Two. Oh, Jeff's not happy to get the title belt. That's actually not his. But he's going to take Deborah and get out of here. <clears throat> I would have thought that the referee would have at least counted up to eight and the fans are only interested in puppies. Sneaky thumb to the eye from Jarrett and uh, Edge bounces him head first off the top turnbuckle. And just throws Edge into the stairs. And King of Commentary talking about how much he loves puppies and other animals like beavers. Oh, it's ripped from Jarrett, but Edge goes underneath between the legs. Catches a couple of elbows, but a lovely Northern Lights suplex. Jarrett managing to kick out. Oh, uh, I think Jeff doesn't know how to handle Edge at the moment. Oh, Shrip reverse, sending Edge into the corner, but he managed to leap over Jarrett. But might land on that left knee badly. Well, Jarrett has no sympathy and just kicks a knee out from underneath him. And now, like a shark smelling blood, it's going to take out the leg. Bouncing on it, just dropping his whole body weight onto the edge. So Jarrett's kind of classed as a veteran now, but yeah, you know, <coughs> do stuff with WCW and TNA. Well, it's weird because, you know, Jeff Jarrett, from this point on, be his last year in WF and he wouldn't be associated with it. And like I said, be doing with other companies the past, like, 20 years from that point. And to actually come back is more of a shock because he's one of the guys that held WWE hostage for money and, you know, basically just always <laughs> was against him. And it's weird that they would let him back in. And even like, you know, other rest pass they have forgiven, Jeff Shout somehow, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about him that made him come back to the WWE family. But Edge is in serious trouble at the moment. Jeff Jack's so happy about being in control. Hanging Edge up on that second rope, choking him out. Dropping his weight on the back of Edge. Now doing his double J strut. I can't see what WCW, uh, WWE sees in Deborah. Well, Jarrett there coming under, hanging there, jumping that second rope. Uh, Deborah's very interesting how she got where she got. You know, she was married to Mongo McMichael, came into WCW through that way, and then a relationship through uh, Jeff Jarrett kind of got the win over to the WWF because she'd end up with Stone Cold Steve Austin as well. So she didn't do too bad in the end. I mean, obviously, she got beaten up by Stone Cold, and that's what he got arrested for, but people don't really talk about that much because it's it's Steve Austin, you know? It's not like it's Edge. Indeed, yes. And get done for rape, but that gets forgiven, and other people with other stuff, but each to their own, I suppose. As Jeff Jarrett lowers his head, Edge catches him, but the flapjack there taking Edge out. Oh, there we go. Jeff dodging Edge, maybe once and twice, but then catching him in the sleeper, and now Edge might be falling asleep. And Edge now slowly falling asleep, but the crowd get behind him. And this young man might have a 24-hour title reign. He's trying to fight up against it as he's slowly passing out. El Hebner's checking closely. 
He's saying he's got one on the canvas now. And now referee's going to check the arm. Goes down once and twice. And is it three times the lady? No, Edge is still in this match. Can he get back to his feet and try and alleviate some of the pressure? Even Deborah can't believe it. And the fight out begins. I mean, who would have thought it? Edge nearly passing out to a side headlock slash sleeper. And now working the midsection. Finally out of it. Turns it around onto uh, Jarrett. Jarrett with a backdrop attempt, but Edge lands on his feet. Rolls him up. Two. No, only a two count. Two. Edge with a lovely variation of the sunset flip, but still unsuccessful. Jeff Jarrett again, just going to poke to the eye, trying to get control. Seen that a couple of times. Edge sternum first. They hit each other's head. Yeah. Then Edge kind of passes out or falls after being uh, headbutted by Jarrett and inadvertently falls into Jarrett's knackers. Well, head on head twice there. Now we're having to count both men down. Now both men struggling to get to their feet. Jeff Jarrett comes running in right hand but gets blocked by Edge. Jarrett coming in for a second and third attempt but unsuccessful. A nice heel kick by Edge. Boot to the midsection. A lovely swinging net breaker. Now Edge is going to try to take advantage going off that second turnbuckle. Jarrett moves out of the way thinking he's more intelligent but Edge lands on his feet. Rolls him up in an inside cradle. But Jarrett managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Oh, I should reverse by Jarrett but Edge manages to get his foot up. God. Tornado DDT off the second ropes. That was a beautiful move, but Edge not capitalising on it. Maybe trying to build up an energy, bit of energy with a scream. Is he going to go for the spear? Jarrett sidesteps it, throws him to the outside. Oh, wait a minute. Gangrel. He's had his problems with Edge and Christian recently. Gangrel's attacking Edge from behind. We're going to see a bloodbath. Oh, Edge must have managed to fight Gangrel off. And Gangrel's just laying there. Well, that's how you outsmart the hill. The blood on the floor and so is Gangrel, but... Jarrett managing to attack from behind. Finn, now going to go off the top. Diving crossbody. Edge rolls through into the cover. Oof. No, just a two count. Two. Edge checking with El Hebner there. Irish whip. Lows his head. Sunset flip, but Edge manages to sit down on it. Rolls up Jarrett. And Jarrett again managing to kick out. Oh, oh my God. Beautiful there. Irish whip. Jarrett went for the leapfrog, but Edge turned it to a set-up powerbomb. Jarrett gets his shoulder up at Two. Two. <coughs> And Edge now is going to look to end things here to Jarrett. Hits a spear. Well, bad shoulder and all. Now Deborah's up in the apron. Calling Edge over, looking to release them puppies. You talk about a big distraction. Both men hit each other and Edge knocks Deborah off the apron. Gets hung up on the top rope by Gangrel. Skull crushing finale by Jarrett. Well, the stroke by Jarrett gets the job done. He is your new Intercontinental Champion with a big Deborah. But Gangrel as well. Your champion again. Dan, what are your thoughts? It's good, you know. Um, you can see it's obviously leading to a story between Edge and Gangrel. Um, Jarrett was kind of like a, a pawn in this little game between the two former brood members. Um, but am I getting bored with Jarrett's IC title reign? I think I am. Change it up, try and have a you know, quick bait and switch as they did with Edge being 24-hour champ. But like you said, Jeff Jarrett says he is the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. And Jarrett is still in the ring talking. And Austin's in the back and they're banging him up. And they said they're going to hold for a little while. But I think and Austin's on the warpath at the moment. Of course, he's going to look for the Untaker and anybody that gets in his way. Well, Jarrett's uh, in the middle of the ring, got his title belt on. 
Austin just ran into the ring. Stunner on Jarrett. Uh, Austin sending Jarrett on his way. I think Austin's one damn pissed off rattlesnake. Well, the interesting thing about this world is Austin coming out in. If he loses his opportunity tonight to never have a WF title match, he will be feuding with Jeff Jarrett over the IC <laughs> title, surely. Don't call me Shirley, but I think that's the way to go. I mean, it is a classic Austin promo. You know, Stone Cold, don't hang around for long. Didn't need to say too much, did he? Just promised that if he's going into the match with Stitches, then Jesus Christ, son, Undertaker is as well. Yeah. And that is the story we're looking for. But even before the match, Austin is hunting a dead man. Well, it's just about to get serious. And uh, we talk about the sets and the sets. It's quite basic, but I do love the three pictures of uh, Untaker, Austin McMahon. That, of course, was Vince McMahon on Raw when he got busted open by Stone Cold when he was in the wheelchair. Right, here come the acolytes now. The tag team title is going to be on the line. So I suppose it won't be long before these guys turn into the APA. Yeah, we've got about a year, I think, until they do. I mean, they've already... We've seen a slight corporate ministry and now they've kind of gone their own way from that a little bit. And now it's like I said, just building a character. But I have no idea what the, the things on their chest mean. Maybe that is like Latin for APA and we just don't know it yet. And Michael Hayes means business being interviewed by Michael Cole. And I thought Michael Cole would be the lead announcer 20 years later and the Harley Boys be legends and Michael Hayes still working behind the scenes for Smackdown but tonight it's all business because he's got that look in his eye the Hardy Boys theme hasn't changed either ever since the first moment I love it when it always happens and Jeff and Matt of course we saw him win the tag team titles on Raw against the Acolytes but still a very young team and it's Acolytes rules and it's Michael Hayes with Jeff Hardy trying to beat up Brad and Matt Hardy's getting his ass handed to him by Farouk I mean, not counting Michael Hayes, so the only champion, world champion, Matt, Matt Hardy never came world champ, did he? No, I don't think he did. I mean, he, you can't ECW champion as a world champ. No. No. Well, Matt, uh, Jeff Hardy had WWE Championship. Bradshaw had the WWE Championship. I think he had it for a year, didn't he? Yeah, Bradshaw was the I think, longest reigning SmackDown <coughs> champion in beat by John Cena. Beat John Cena WrestleMania, yep. Of course, uh, Ron Simmons was the WWE champion back in 1991. And Michael Hayes kind of been known for tag teams. And again, you know, we talk about a young tag team back in the day, giving Michael Hayes maybe somebody who could do the talking. We probably won't remember, you know, Michael Hayes being with the Hardy Boys, but I think it helped him at that time. Yeah, I think, you know, having a recognisable name as a manager, I think that kind of uh, helps out the Hardy Boys and elevates them. I think, you know, in a time where talking is paramount, the Hardy Boys, I don't think they would have gone by on just their sheer talent. Mm. I think it's the same with Edge and Christian. Maybe that's something that's kind of holding them back as well. And we'll see in the teams. We're only a couple of months away from the kind of legendary ladder match as well. No mercy. And Bradshaw's just wearing out Michael Hayes on the outside. The bell has just rang though, so Jeff will be happy in there with Farouk. Oh! Jeff went over the top rope and took out Bradshaw. Matt Hardy's going up top. Move on both Bradshaw and Farouk taking out both members of the Acolytes. Hardly at this point, hardly any injuries. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes, indeed. And, you know, we look at tag teams and there's normally a big guy and a small guy, but it is actually two big guys going against two small guys. But Bradshaw's in there with Matt Hardy now. Catch them. Huge fallaway slam. Jeff perched on the top rope. Seated drop kick and a roll up by Matt. Only a two count, though. Two. But the Hardy's managed to take Bradshaw out. Matt goes to fly, Bradshaw catches him. Oh, and Jeff comes in with a baseball slide and kicks them both over. Double Irish whip. Bit of poetry in motion there. And now Matt, with the health of my duplex Farouk. Jeff on top, swanton bomb. 
Well, Bradshaw's more interested in taking out Matt Hardy there than he was stopping the count. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but surprisingly enough, Rook managed to kick out. Uh-huh. I don't think he was meant to. I think he was meant to have been saved from <laughs> yeah. that. But Bradshaw just wanted to hit some young boys. Now, Farouk and Matt Hardy are fighting. Michael Hayes had a crap kicked out of him. Huge spine buster from Farouk to Matt. Tags in Bradshaw, even though he wasn't holding the tag right, but I don't think Tim White cares. Well, I've seen um, Bradshaw's not wearing the Undertaker symbol on his leg, but Farouk is. His trunks. Oh. Well, Bradshaw's in, and he's just looking to, uh, that's it, boot Matt Hardy in the face. He's not holding back, he's enjoying this. No, he loves absolutely beating the shit out of people. But he was an absolute badass, and I would have respected this Bradshaw, but the JBL Bradshaw, I actually thought he was a dick. Yeah, yeah. I hated that run. I stopped watching SmackDown for that amount of time. Especially Barrero, you know. Fruit there just dropping a leg. Sorry, the did back of Matt Hardy. JR just say Bradshaw is like James Earl Jones? I think it just sounded like, because he was going, Hey, boy, I don't know what it is. Fuck it. <laughs> I don't fuck it. Unless at that time, Fruit was going, Simba. I, I am And even though this is a handicap match, the Acolytes, not really the one being handicapped at this moment. Absolutely not, no. <laughs> I, I, I actually fail to see what Michael Hayes actually brings to the mix. Well, wait a minute, because he's just got the hot tag and he's come on and he's getting beaten up already. Yes. Ah. And a big boot to the face. <laughs> and just a punt to the back. But she drops the elbow into the cover. But Hayes manages to kick out. Oh. Now, Fruit with the Irish whip blows his head, but Michael Hayes managing to get away from him, tags in Jeff. <laughs> Scoop slam from Farouk with a lot of uh, viciousness. Cover, but only a two count. Two. And tags in Bradshaw. <laughs> Jeff looking for a whisper in the wind, but just gets one arm slammed by Bradshaw. And Bradshaw gives Michael Hayes a finger and he uh, he comes in to stop the count. I think it would have been over and Fruit again coming in. He's having a word now holding down Jeff. He's fading. He's getting choked out by Farouk. His arms dropped once. No, but Jeff's fighting back as much as he can. It's a jawbreaker. And now Fruit might be looking to end things now, but Matt's coming in. He's had enough. <laughs> Bradshaw's <laughs> not concerned with saving his partner at any time. He just goes after anything. Bradshaw just likes a fight. Exactly the same as Farouk. He's got to look to hit the Dominator now. Now backslide from Matt. Twist of fate. One, two. Hey! Saved by Bradshaw. For the first time in this match, Bradshaw actually helping his partner out. Bradshaw with a short arm clothesline. Places Matt up on the top turnbuckle. <laughs> Bradshaw making sure he's steady on top. Side suplex from Bradshaw from the top turnbuckle. Matt's in trouble for Jeff in to make the save. This has been a crazy match, but now Jeff's got the cane. Cracks it straight across the <laughs> head of Bradshaw. And that might be all she wrote. One, two, no. Bradshaw managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Even though by my count, Farouk's a legal man in. Well, Farouk could have done so. He's just beating up Michael Hayes at ringside. Here we go again. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Looking for uh, poetry in motion. But a clothesline from hell, like kind of mid-air onto Jeff. But Matt managing to break it up. Farouk depositing Matt over the top rope. Hayes has got the uh, the walking stick, hits Bradshaw with it, who is visibly pissed off. Here we go now, both men. Got Michael Hayes, double powerbomb. Rolls him up, two, three. 
And we have got new tag team champions. So Hayes' role in this match was to eat the pin. Well, and it's weird because the free bird rule is created due in part to Michael Hayes. So to them to lose it due to their third partner as well is quite apt. And not a bad match, a bit of a mess at times. But again, a contrast between the kind of veteran as in like Farouk and what Bradshaw is to what the Hardys are. And there's still a lot of potential there. And again, four guys who would have a very big impact in the next 20 years as well and what they do. Absolutely, yeah. So it's interesting to see, and this is why the attitude here is so good because of the uh, the stars of tomorrow. And Fruke, look how happy he is that he's won the tag team titles. Absolutely. <laughs> he is ecstatic. And we can see the replay of the clothesline. And we cut back to Austin backstage, and he's uh, a man on a mission looking for The Undertaker. All right, so up next it's the European title. And today, say, I don't mind D'Lo Brown because if you look at his performance these past couple of years, he's been pretty consistent. And even that interview there, months, it's been nine long months since I've been champion. It takes more than putting out the bag, which Midian did for Shane McMahon's bag to become champion. And D'Lo, it means something to him. And he's not a bad performer. Do you think they could have done more with D'Lo Brown? They could have given him a, given him a bigger head nod as he was walking down and a few bigger shakes. But, yeah, you know, he was a, he was a solid performer. I just don't think he kind of had the attitude to progress in the Attitude Era. Uh, you better recognise. So I think, yeah, yeah. It's the thing is, he's still a bit, you know, the connection with the nation and everything like that. Can Dilo come out in his own right? And he'll be looking to become European champion again against Midian. And Midian, one of the strangest, I think, characters ever. <clears throat> Don't get me wrong, I love the attitude here, but I never got Midian. No, he he wasn't really um, someone that I'd get behind. I think it was a case of uh, maybe McMahon being loyal to the guys that stayed. You know, Midian's a guy that was part of the um, the tag team division for a long time, you know, as the uh, what, as the Goodwins, you know, the Godwins. And it, to be around that time and now come here as uh, part of the corporate ministry, been involved with quite a major storyline. Major storyline. But again, I think he wasn't, he was just a bit player in this. You know, he wasn't really anyone that was ever in focus. Mm. Well, I think one of the main differences I like with WF Paper at this time and WCWs is that there's no kind of meaningless matches. The three matches that we've had so far have all been title matches. You know, even this one, which is not great, at least it's got a meaning to it. With Dino want to be champion, and Midian slapped him to begin with. Well, it could have been a third title change in three matches. And Dino's got a lot of fire in him as he takes out Midian with a clothesline. And a punch is in the corner. I think, uh, you know, as you was saying, Dino did have something about him in the ring. I don't know if he's good. I think he's a bit, you know, a bit like ability factor. I mean, I cannot confirm or deny if this, you know, kind of push for him stopped after the Joss thing would happen. I mean, we are about a month away from that. But I, I wouldn't think like kind of, um, it was like a complete accident, you know, like as D'Lo sends Midian to the outside. Suicide dive through the ropes, takes out Midian. Oh my God, Midian, uh, D'Lo with a right hand. Just not going to taste that Midian's mouth. Oh my God, Dilo went for the Irish whip, but reversed by Midian. Throws him into the steel steps. And changing momentum kind of changes the whole match up now. <clears throat> Midian's in complete control. I thought they'd have both reached the count out stage of things. And it's weird the referee's gone out to follow the action instead of uh, trying to get it back in ring. As Midian hangs Dilo up on that barricade. Big right hand by Midian, dropping Dilo. He's just too slow. He's very annoying. I want. I don't even know his finisher. Like with Dilo, at least I know like sky high and the low down and stuff like that. Irish whip to Midian, but Midian reverses it. 
A clothesline turns D'Lo inside out. Midian goes for the cover, but D'Lo manages to kick out. Uh-huh. And a gut wrench powerbomb there by Midian on D'Lo. Midian with a sleeper on, just taking D'Lo out. And I think that's what we've seen in every match so far as a sleeper. We have indeed. Let's hope they do the old arm drop as well. Well, the arm dropped a couple of times, but D'Lo managing to get up now. Fighting out of a few elbows to the midsection. Oh, but a shot blocked and a neck breaker from Midian. Cover from Midian, but D'Lo managing to kick out. Oh, uh-huh. and it's been Midian dominating now. I mean, if he beats D'Lo here tonight, he might be validated as European champion, since he hasn't beaten anybody for it. I don't even think he's defended it. Midian with the kicks in the corner, but D'Lo's firing out now. Managing to turn the momentum. He slaps across the chest from D'Lo. But a thumb to the eye and an elbow to the back of the head. Restores Midian's, Midian's controlling this. Sunset flip by D'Lo into the pin. But Midian just managing to kick out. Uh-huh. A bit of quickness there by Midian getting the clothesline in. Midian Irish rip in the corner. D'Lo with a boot up though. Midian coming in for a second attempt. But D'Lo again with the feet up. Now perched on the second rope. Pretty funny looking tornado DDT. Into the cover but only a two count. Two. Oh, Midian with the Irish rip. D'Lo dodged it sky high. Need to go up top to try and finish this and reclaim his European Championship. Drops a leg across the throat for good measure. And can D'Lo take advantage? Frog splash. One, two, three. And we've got a new European Champion in D'Lo Brown. Dan, what do you think of the match? Um, overlooking that. No, it, it wasn't the greatest match. It's not the most memorable of matches. I don't know. It's really not keen on Midian. D'Lo, yeah, he's not terrible, but he's not... Anything, you know, spectacular either. I think D'Lo's solid enough, and I think there's something good about him, but this match is the worst of the night so far. It's just too slow, even though it's probably the shortest one of them all. But D'Lo's happy enough that he's got his title around his waist. You better recognise. Kick- well, Austin was being followed by camera, and he told him to fuck off. And Al Snow in his hardcore championship, carrying around head that's got a spike in its head. <coughs> Well, Michael Cole interviewing Al Snow, and I think Al Snow's lost it. What do you reckon, Dan? Yeah, you can see him uh, gradually becoming more and more unhinged. And you can see it in his eyes. You can see the, the bags under his eyes when he hasn't been able to sleep. But he's looking to face the big boss man. It's up there. I know that. It's got to get... Right, Al Snow is not... As he comes out here with hardcore title on the line, and boss man has been tormenting him in a fourth title match in a row. And Al Snow's going to meet boss man in the entranceway. Drops head at his feet and he's kind of begging for Bossman to hit him with a nightstick. And Big Bossman, instead of hitting Al Snow, he kind of hits the spike further into Head's head. And Al Snow feels the pain and then that just pushes Snow over the edge and he starts attacking Bossman, who starts fighting back now. And Bossman sending Al Snow into that big structure or the seats. Snow into uh, one of the travel carry cases. And he's trying to relocate his nightstick. Well, so he got up and he's got something in his hand. Sandbag. Straight to the head of Bossman. <laughs> Bossman sending Al Snow into the stage. Knock down his lights, might end up electrocuted. Bossman with a right hand and sending Al Snow into Vincent Man. Well, a sign anyway. Now go backstage. <clears throat> sending Snow into some uh, wooden signs and just breaking a bit of timber over his back. Oi, we lost the cameraman. <clears throat> I wonder if that's the same poor sod that Austin took out earlier. <laughs> well, boss man, try to go low to take our snow out. Jabbing him with a flag of some sort. Oh, like stabbing it in his side. <laughs> now snow 
full of jabs. He's out boxing boss man at the moment. <laughs> and a tray straight to the forehead of the big boss man. There's a bloke using a payphone in the background. Oh! <laughs> Boiling hot coffee over the face of Bossman and Al got on someone himself and said, Damn it, that's hot. And a trash can over the back suplexes Bossman through a table. And what a mess they've made. Snow looking to smash Bossman over the head with the coffee urn. Bossman blocked it and returned the favour to Snow. Bossman with a first down sign changed oh. it to fourth down. <laughs> Time for a punt. <laughs> Al Snow just wants Bossman to make it stop. Bossman asking and Al Snow's fighting back. Now right into the metal shuttering door. Bossman looks set to drive a vehicle. Well, Bossman can't get the golf, start, golf, golf cart started. I don't think WWE have good luck with the golf carts. Cause I think there was one uh, big show, uh, Raven and Kane. And yep. I think like they kind of drove one off the side of a road or something. Or off the side of a walkway. No, Al Snow trying to leaf it out. Bossman just carries on punching him. Oh, boy. Oh, he's doing, doing his belt and right, boy. Oh, but luckily enough for us, he's just taking his belt off to whip Snow and choke him with it. <laughs> Bouncing in between concrete walls. Slams Snow through a door. I don't even think Bossman's even tried to go for a pin yet. Snow's fighting back with some headbutts and some punches to the midsection. A few palm <laughs> strikes and Bossman just falls flat on his face. Snow can't. Stop hearing the voices. Gives Bossman a chance to get back into it. And here we go. They're going outside. Oh, <laughs> and a bulldog onto the pavement. I don't know how Al Snow managed to kick out. Ah. Uh. Bossman having a go at referee. Al Snow with a hug cap to the forehead of Bossman. Al Snow with a cone to the head of Bossman. He responds with a punch to the knackers and a knee to the head. Bossman with a few brutal knees to the head. And I think Al Snow's enjoying it. It's helping him get rid of the voices that he can hear. Bossman cracks Al Snow over the head with a bit of cover. Two. No. Just a two count. Two. So a brick to the face couldn't get the job done. And then Al Snow's had the shit kicked out of him. Well, here comes Carp. <laughs> well, then he got run over out in the streets. And he beeped and said, what the fuck? And then he realised two guys fighting. Snow gets his head rammed into a street sign. No trespassing. Fucking hell. I hope that was a stunt bottle. Well... Big Bossman with a bottle over Al Snow's head. Al Snow seems out of it at the moment, and now Bossman's got the handcuffs. He's going to tie him to the steel gate. But the thing is, is if Bossman has got Al Snow handcuffed to the fence, how's he going to be able to get his shoulders ground to pin him? Well, Bossman's got a plan. He's got an extendable nightstick, and he's just beating away at the midsection of Al Snow. And Al Snow might be out. And if we count in Al Snow's shoulders down, I suppose... And Bossman is your new hardcore champion and quite an enjoyable hardcore title match. And the Al Snowcats is a little bit odd, but Bossman's a lot of fun as well, I think. What do you yeah, think of that match? It, um, again, it, you know, there was some bits that was very, very unbelievable. You know, the brick to the head and, like, you know, the amount of punishment each man can take and come back kind of straight away from it. But... You know, it is entertainment, and it was very entertaining. And four matches and four new champions. It doesn't look good for Stone Cold Steve Austin here tonight. So Al Snow and Bossman, they've kind of had quite a few comings together. Yeah, they still would. Like, this is the kind of storyline for the whole kind of year, isn't it? You know, like, mixing it up all the time. Kind of makes it fun. Uh-oh. Up next should be a good match, and it's going to be the Big Show versus Kane with the Big Shot Harker Holly, a special referee. 
So the hug it out moment thing kind of started between X-Pac and Kane and progressed to Daniel Bryan and Kane. Yeah, I mean, it, this is a, a true... Talk about storytelling, you know. This, this is a story here with a match between two guys that has got four or five other different areas to explore into it. And I think that's what makes it so clever. I mean, you look at kind of like, like they talked about with Kane and the Untake looking like they've been together to stop the Big Show because Big Show and Kane have been, you know, feuding with King of the Ring and stuff like this. But Kane, who had been tag team champion of x still had feelings and, like I said, brought that human side to him, finally taking the Untake. And you hear the response from the crowd. This is what they want as well. This is Kane, I think, being used correctly. Then you throw in the Harker Holly Big Show storyline of Big Show wanting to kill hardcore but hardcore thinking he belongs because he's a kind of giant as well which is a kind of funny story that i'm putting to more serious and i think you know what i mean i don't think he gets enough credit and hardcore is going to be the special guest referee so your thoughts on hardcore holly hardcore is a guy who again i don't know if it's due to loyalty with a company but stayed around a lot longer than i thought as a hardcore wrestler wasn't too bad but i didn't really rate him too much I think the Matt Capitelli thing that happened on Tough Enough is the most interesting thing about his entire career and why he would beat someone up who basically was a business, you know? So I, I look at it more like that than I do a, a, a wrestler himself. But what are your thoughts on Sparky Plug? The only side of Hardcore Holly that I actually enjoyed is someone, you know, when he was kind of portrayed as someone that hates rookie. You know, I think it was, was it Daniel Puder? Mm-hmm. When he came into the Royal Rumble and he, you know, you could see he was enjoying just beating the fuck out of him. Yeah. But I think as a, a top-tier talent, or even a mid-card, I don't think he really cut it. No, I think he such. was kind of a low-tier, low-card talent. But the big show has been around now. He debuted in February, so he's been around a few months now in WF. And we've been looking at him month on month to see if they're improving him. And is this storyline beneficial for him, do you think? You know, with big show, do you think he's happy he's made a jump? Uh, I think he is. You know, um, he is getting used regularly, correctly. Um you know, he's going against some of the very big names in the company, to be honest. Without a doubt, you know, he's been involved in the storylines. You know, we've got, uh, of course, part of the corporation and forming a union now kind of going out on his own, breaking the ring with the Untaker just, you know, a few weeks ago. Now being involved here, it's the two giants of the WF. But is it a problem with two faces being involved in this? I don't think so, no. I think, you know, the, uh, the story kind of comes across and Kane gets an absolute ruckus of uh, of an ovation from the crowd. Now, I think, you know, with the storytelling, it's strong enough to portray that, you know, despite being facing, that there's still a bit of hate towards each other. Well, Kane and Big Show definitely have got a problem, but they're both uh, kind of friends teaming up with a smaller guy who came with X-Pux, but bringing some emotion here. And it's an interesting different story for the monster that has been Kane you know since he's come in and seemed to be a controlled of it but he, now he seems to be making his own decisions so as character development it's something that you don't get nowadays really and a huge explosion set off by Kane and you can see the scar on Big Show's face as well where he's busted open and Hardcore's not going to be intimidated and Kane immediately getting in the face of the referee about the Hardcore Holly even though he's kind of backing off slightly he's saying that I'm the referee and a Big Show wasting no time Getting into Kane, Holly trying to separate the two, just managing to, I suppose. And now he's looking to try and ring the bell, even though the bell's been rung. So prediction-wise, you know, going into this match blind, who would you say, who would you predict to win it? Oh, my God. Well, it's going to be the big show. 
Especially after that. I mean, look at the Well, he's just power. picked the cane up as if he was a cruiserweight and thrown him over the top rope. And then he came down on those mats. And how thin are those mats, Dan? Those mats are way from thin. And going back 20 years, those even thinner. And they was actually filled with asbestos and mud. And he fell at least 15 foot there. At least 17 foot there onto his shoulder. And the big show's going outside. But Kane up to his feet. So prediction-wise, you would have gone for the big show. Yeah. I think the Big Show is the kind of the guy that you should be used as the most powerful. Kane's been around a couple of years, so we haven't even seen Big Show uh, with title run yet, and I think there's a lot of potential. JR points out both of these men in their 20s, which is another impressive thing as well, you know. Both are in their 20s at this point. And when you consider how Finn Balor had his birthday recently, 38. I couldn't believe Finn Balor was only 40 when you consider the age of these guys, you know. Yeah. That's, that's why they've been around for so long. Because they're so fucking young. And these two guys we definitely predict would be the future of the WWF as well. Just look at Kane's reaction. But does the mask make Kane cooler? I think he does, yeah. You know, I was kind of a bit distraught when Kane lost his mask, actually. I think it was kind of taking away something from him. It's a kind of mystery, kind of, you know what I mean? Kind of something kind of cool that you don't know about Kane. You're still trying to guess. Well, you know, every other wrestler that wears a mask is a luchador, Lucha Libre-style wrestler, and it's kind of part of their heri- heritage. But with Kane, a wearing a mask, it was kind of like a game-changer. Mm. You know, you'd had the kind of Mick Foley, Mankind kind of mask and the Vader one, but you could still see everything underneath it. Yeah. Whereas with Kane, it's like, I wonder what he does actually look like. Yeah, I think that's the thing, you know. Let's not forget he's the first masked man to be WWF champion as well. And now Big Show, we're closed on Kane, taking him down. So at this point, yeah, the Big Show was 27 years old. That's incredible. This man, you know, you talk about future sports entertainment, dominate the next decade, most definitely. You see the chops of the chest of Kane and Irish rip across. But he has put on a little bit of timber since joining. Kane's 52 now, so he'd have been 32. What the fuck is JR talking about? Now Big Show just dominating Kane, taking him back in the corner, not letting him rest. And Hardcore Holly is calling this one right down... Big Show just calling Kane a bastard and kicking him away. This is your two typical Giants matchup, though. It's, you know, hard-hitting, brutal, just doing everything you can to beat the other man down, I suppose. I mean, a little bit slower than it should be, though. You like to see both men kind of giving each other big power moves, but it's been Big Show at the moment. Absolutely, yeah. But, you know, especially in, you know, kind of these guys, it's they're in the prime of their career, to be fair. And now Kane trying to fight out, but just gets smothered by Show. Irish whip and just a huge clothesline takedown from the big show. Kane's sitting up though, just like his big brother. Oh, big show with a knee to the knackers. Well, Hardcore says it's legal. Another headbutt sending Kane down. But Kane immediately getting up back to his feet to his credit. Well, Kane has never faced anybody bigger than him before. So in the, when he's fighting the big show, it's something completely different and shows just having his way. Stepping over Kane, just putting his foot on the chest. Certainly dominating him in the strength and strength-wise anyway. I think Kane needs to pull something out of his hat if he wants to get back into this. Irish Rip reversed by the Big Show and Kane into a big boot. Big Show telling Hugger Holly that he's going to power slam, power slam Kane. I'm a huge power slam and just a one hand on his chest for the pinfall but only getting a two count. Two... I think even Hardcore is saying to him, come on, man, you need to go for the cover there, hook the leg. And you can see an experience from Big Show. Or is it just Big Show? I think, you know, he's uh, 
his confidence is rising in this match, hence why he thinks he can get away with uh, a pinfall, a cocky pinfall. I think he's bigger than anybody else, probably more powerful as well. First shout out to Diesel. Oh, he's taunting away, go for the elbow. But Kane rolling out the way, Big Show hitting nothing but the ring apron. And now Kane with the big right hands, rocking Big Show. Sends him into the ropes, but Show's still standing. Oh, shit, reversed by the Big Show. Oh, Show dropping his head, Kane using it to his advantage, hitting a lovely DDT. A hardcore saying that Kane pulled the hair. I don't think he did, but Kane now looking to go up. Here comes Kane. Kane and a huge clothesline takedown. Poised for the choke slam. Oh my God, surely not. Well, don't call me Shirley, but it looks like he's going to try and summon the strength to lift a big show and slam him. And here he comes in at hardcore. What? Holly's gone down low. Chop block to Kane. Just as he was about to take the big show out. And a big show with a choke slam. X-Pac in three, and two. Hardcore Holly goes for the cover. Bit of a fast count. Big Show gets the victory. And now here comes X-Pac with a spinning heel kick, taking out Hardcore. And Kane sits up. Big Show turns round. Undertaker's made his way to the ring. Chokeslam to X-Pac. And now Big Show just mauling Kane at this moment in time. Austin in three... Two. Well, the fans chanting as well, as this is Unho- Unholy Alliance, Big Show and the Untaker. They're taking Kane out, and Untaker's saying that's the error of his way. Big right hand and a Big Show as well. Well, James, you said about a face and a face facing off. Well, Big Show certainly cemented himself as a heel now. I mean, is this the start of an unho- Unholy Alliance between the Untaker and the Big Show? Well, the Untaker just throw next buck onto Kane. Well, you wanted to be friends with him, then here he is. The Undertaker just staring a hole through the Big Show. Is the Undertaker not concerned with the Big Show, or is he just more concerned in being betrayed by his brother? I think he's annoyed by that, but he's got focus, because later on, he's got the uh, WF title match. And Big Show now going to go hardcore. But I don't want to go to school today, <laughs> That's a hardcore saying. You know, I just took out the floor. I was good. Oh, wait a minute. Austin has run into the Undertaker backstage. And I think he sent him into that... He sent him into a brick wall, I think. Oh, my God. And Undertaker's busted open now as well. well. He's busted wide open. That is not good. Well, Austin promises stitches for Undertaker. And a dead man... Must be. Dead man's busted him open. But, again, Austin promised it. And he delivers yet again. And this is the story of the pay-per-view. So the question is, can Undertaker recover? Austin's probably still bleeding in their first blood match. Well, I think Austin's would have clotted over by now, but obviously one short, sharp shot to the head is going to bust him wide open yet again. And if McMahon's basically livelihood on the line here tonight, but up next is going to be the Iron Circle match, and it's Ken Sharrock versus Leaf Weapon Steve Blackman. And this has been a match that's been quite some time. Hi, eight. So this all came about by Blackman returning as kind of Vincent McMahon's hired gun to take out Ken Sharrock with a kendo stick. Not only costing him on Raw, but the King of the Ring as well, where Ken Shamrock has suffered from internal bleeding. Well, Blackman took out Ken Shamrock, but this time it's the Iron Circle match with Shamrock's rules. And we can see in the park, all the cars are made into a circle. But I quite like Steve Blackman. I do quite like Ken Shamrock as well. So I think for me, this was a match I was really excited to see because, you you know, Ken Shamrock, you know he's dangerous and he's mental. And Blackman here is a lethal weapon. I think matched him in quite a good way, you know. Absolutely, yeah. You know, these two guys, there was 
they're both unhinged in their own certain way. Um, you know, definitely made for a very interesting match. I think Ken Charlotte deserves a lot of credit. I mean, he's, he's, he's a lot a better worker than many people think, and I think he's very popular as well, very over as a face. I think he kind of got treated uh, badly during the corporation, you know, when McMahon kind of made him look like a fool and everything like this. You know, Shamrock's kind of reputation got hurt a little bit. Absolutely, yeah. But we can see the wrestlers in the cast. We see Draws and... Um, Albert. We've got Val Venus as well and, and Shamrock. Viscera. Shamrock doesn't look happy as he's coming out here. And he's got his fist taped. He's ready for action. Not wearing his wrestling gear, just jeans. And the line down to the top. Well, the rules are... There are no rules. Shamrock's scaring the referee into the shadows. Test. Test. I've just seen Test. Test and Albert are on the same car. And Steve Blackman there comes charging towards uh, Shamrock, but... Shamrock sidesteps it, throws Blackman onto the car. Uh, he smashed one windscreen. Now he went to side another car. Draws taking evasive action. No need. Oh my god, Shamrock went for Blackman's head. Blackman dodges. Shamrock put his hand through the windscreen. And that's two windscreen smashed. Two. Oh my god. Another window smashed. Blackman went for the sidekick. A slam onto the hood of the car or to the bonnet of the car if you're English. And a uh, a blatant low blow punch to the knackers. Is that Sergeant S. Laughter? Yep, he's looking on as well as Blackman sends Shamrock into the concrete. <coughs> <laughs> what a thunderous side kick there sends Shamrock straight into the bonnet of the car. Or the hood if you're American. Well, he went flying onto it. And now Blackman's just been, he's coming back with a steel chain. Oh, well, luckily enough for Shamrock, he managed to get out of the way just in time. And Shamrock with kicks and punches of his own. This is how he deal with fights when he was a kid. He's get all the cars to circle round, and he'll take on whoever stepped up. Scoop slam onto the bonnet of yet another car. And Blackman now's got the tar iron. Oh, looking to stove Shamrock's head in, but Shamrock again moving out of the way. And yet another windshield being smashed in. <laughs> Shamrock's just punched his way through a window as well. And a trash can shot to the head. A cut angle. Yeah, I kept thinking it was. See if that on meat. Looks like Kurt though, doesn't it? And Blackman taken out, and now Shamrock... He's got the chain wrapping it around his wrist. This could be the end for Blackman. Punches him straight in the head with that chain-wrapped fist. <laughs> <laughs> and Shamrock just beating the head of Blackman up. But he caved his... <laughs> and Shamrock screams. And he's just choking Blackman out. And Blackman may be out. And there you go, passes out. Shamrock wins the Iron Circle match. And I think Shamrock take on everybody here. Oh, the bell has rung. Yeah, this match is over. Well, Shamrock wins there, and that's just smouldering intensity by Ken Shamrock. He's been uh, had problems with Steve Blackman and now put an end to it with a quite, you know, I would say easy victory, but dominant victory would be, I think, right word. Yeah, I'm very surprised there was no bloodshed, though. Well, talk about bloodshed, we've just seen the Untaker. He's still bleeding, and he tells Terry Taylor, to, you're going to be the one bleeding, you keep getting in my way. So we see Michael Cole interviewing China and Billy Gunn backstage and saying, you've basically got the advantage now because of what's just happened to X-Puck. And they're saying it doesn't matter, it's about dollars and cents here tonight and they deserve to have the DX name. Now what t- what members would you say are more DXy, China and Billy Gunn or Road Dog and X-Puck? I'd say China and Billy Gunn because China is OG DX. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with you there. You know, she has got a right... More than any when it first started. Even though X-Puck and Road Dog are still repping the colour DX colours, I suppose. And uh, not forgetting the fact that China and Billy Gunn are also repping Triple H. Yeah. 
So, but, you know, it, Triple H has more rights than any of them. But you can see matching outfits for uh, Billy in China. Billy Gunner, of course, the king of the ring last month, trying to become the first woman to compete in it. <laughs> but they're not they're decked out in the DX kind of gear. They're just wearing bondage outfits. Yeah, I think that's what it is. You can see the uh, the back of these two guys as they come out here. And we would think Triple H teaming up with China might make a little bit more sense. But said he's moving on up now, up the card. And uh, it's Billy and China. China is cool, though. I'll give her that as a character. They've not done really wrong by China so far. And the question is for Billy, could he be a main event star? So the DX music hits yet again, but for two different members of the Generation X. And this time for Cheers, as we see Road Dog, the banged up x But they are both wearing their DX get-up. So, you know, they see more DX-y than China and Mr. Ass. Right, doubt. The good thing is it all seems to interconnect at the moment in time. Obviously, the last match kind of went into this one with Xbox Association and even Triple H, and of course the main event now, all kind of mean a little bit more because they're all kind of, weirdly enough, in the same storyline, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, any pay-per-view nowadays, I think this would kind of be the main star, but it's kind of fallen into the background. Obviously, there's a lot of other stories going on. It's interesting to see DX coming to an end, you know, only just like a year and a couple of months after forming, before it keeps it fresh, I suppose. <coughs> Up in his beard. Oh, Road Dog's fucking awesome on the microphone, isn't he? Absolutely, yeah. But I think that's how the um, the New Age Outlaws kind of work, because you had Billy Gunn was more of the talent in the ring, Road Dog was more of the talent on the mic, so they kind of bounced off each other quite well. Yeah. Proudly brings to you... But then you can see Road Dog and X-Park's point, because China and Mr. Ass, they actually left DX, along with Triple H, to join the corporate... Corporate Ministry, Corporation, whatever it is. You see Billy turning his back on it as well. That's all right, because the fans can do Billy Gunn's part quite easily. So prediction-wise, James, who would you go for in this? Oh, I mean, it's going to be difficult, isn't it? I mean, you can't really go against the power of the Billy Gunn and, and China in, in this one against Rodog and X-Bike, even though you could argue about who deserves it more, you know? What about you? I would actually go for X-Pac and Road Dog because they seem like, you know, the, the real underdogs here at the moment. Um... X-Pac's been kind of beaten down a bit. I think, you know, X-Pac and Road Dog, they want it more, whereas only whereas China and Billy Gunn are only interested in the money side of things. Hey, do you know, another thing I really like as well is the fact that China's evolved in this and they're not kind of making a big deal, as in, like, imagine nowadays about, you know, oh, it's a woman involved in this stuff. They just treat China. Yeah, there was a bit of a spectacle when she had the first kind of match, but now they've just got behind her as, like, a kind of normal competitor, which... I think just shows how much of a kind of ground... We always say it with China, you know, how much she was a kind of trendsetter as well. Absolutely, yeah. But if you had a choice of any of them four competitors in the ring to be your partner, who would you choose? God, my... At the moment, probably be Billy Gunn because he's on such a roll, you know, after the King of the Ring victory. And he looks great as well. I mean, like I said, it's just to see if he can handle it in the main event setup. And at the moment... It's kind of, you know, well, the things that actually do, it has kind of been the same. If it's not been Mankind, you know, LaRock, Austin or Untaker, you know, there's not that many else. And who can break through to the, that next stage? As Road Dog drop kicks China into Billy Gunn. Knocks him off the edge of the ring apron and then China inadvertently does it herself. And Road Dog looking for the pump handle slam, but China rolls through and escapes to the outside of Mr. Air. And Billy's just going to try and slow it down on the outside of China. I don't think there's any doubt X-Pac's not 
A huge arsehole chant going around the crowd for uh, Mr. Arsehole. And uh, it's good, you know, to see Billy Gunn reacting to it as well. He tells him to shut the fuck up and it fires him up to go on the attack of uh, Road Dog. A very questionable uh, <laughs> outfit, though. Yeah. I mean, for the attitude here of Mr. Arse, it is literally that. Yeah. Well, again, you know, you can't take anything away from his in-ring ability. Yeah, he splashed the Road Dog. Oh, and China behind the referee's back, clotheslining Jesse James down. Stomping away in Timmy White, just having a look. Make sure everything's legal. And these two guys never really had a blow-off of their... Uh, kind of, it wasn't really a feud either, but the New Age Outlaws kind of just ended. And now it's China gets a tag in. Forearm shot to Rodog, sends him into the turnbuckle. Just punching away at his chest. And a few stiff uppercuts as well. Upper what? Exactly. And they're just choking out the Rodog in the corner now. Nice snap there by China. It's just taking the time. And follows it up with a simplistic punt to the back. We thought x might have been the man worked on, but it's been all Rodog at the moment. And China really is enjoying herself. Well, I think the idea with that is trying to preserve x until they really need him. Giving him just a few extra minutes to try and... Uh, Get himself into this. x does play the kind of uh, baby face well, I feel, with the, the David vs. <coughs> Goliath storyline. Just feel so. To the allotment in my car. He's like, yeah, can I just run out and grab him? I was like, my car's at home. James picked me up. I, I can get by tonight. I need him tomorrow. Oh, that's all right. That's nice. <coughs> and now Billy's showing his aggressive side on Road Dog. As their former partners and Billy's... Just... So these, they, all these four members should uh, know each other quite well, you know, now to counter and out-wrestle each other. I mean, you think they're, you know, kind of a whole family this past year. Especially Rodog Billy Gunn have been together even longer. Lovely jackhammer by Mr. Ass. I mean, sending the crowd what he thinks and what he wants them to do. And Billy's on the second rope, tells Rodog to suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Rodog gets his foot up straight into the face of Mr. Ass, who comically bounces on the spot and drops to the mat. I mean, um, you know, especially with that manoeuvre there, you, you could kind of tell that uh, Ars was actually intending to bounce onto the foot of Rodog. Yeah, exactly. And X-Puck gets the tag in, and the spinning heel kick takes out Billy Gunn and China. He's on fire, baby. Got Billy Gunn in the corner, kicking away at him, a shot for China as well. Oh, until Billy Gunn just hangs him up over the top rope and stops his momentum dead. Now Billy going to get a cover, try and finish this, but no, X-Puck managing to kick out. Uh, I can't help but think um, they're trying to play Undertaker's choke slam off was actually worse than it was. Well, don't forget X-Puck's had uh, neck injuries in the past and his head bounced off like a basketball. But like I said, I think because X-Puck is kind of smaller of the, of the group, you know, so maybe it works a bit like that, cause playing into his... Uh, if he does lose it, then he'll have a new rivalry if the Undertaker loses tonight as well. So, kind of planting the seeds, uh, which I think is always good for this title. There's always a kind of reason for stuff happening as opposed to now where shit just happens and they've got no no reason for it at all. Yeah. And now China just squeezing the life out of X-Pac. X-Pac escapes from it, but scoop slam from China, plants X-Pac back down again. That's nice by China. They've shown the power, but couldn't keep X-Pac down. Rodog looking to get back in, but China taking a, taking him all the way back to the corner. Now just choking him on that second rope. And Billy can join in. X-Pac looking to tag in Rodog. Gets across at a tag, but referee Timmy White was distracted by uh, Billy Gunn's running. Didn't see the tag. And now it's just a two-on-one assault behind the referee's back. And Billy now just trying to twist X-Pac's head off as Rodog watches on. 
Next pack fighting out. Ducking a clothesline attempt, but a scoop slam from Mr. Ross plants X pack into the cover, but only a two count. Two. Well, that was a thing of beauty as China gets tagged in. X pack sent to the corner. Now here comes China. Looking for a handspring back elbow, but oh. X pack counters that with a clothesline. And now can X pack get to Road Dog? He's been worked on recently. China's making a way to Billy Gunn. And I think X pack knows where he really is. That's uh, Road Dog and Billy Gunn. Well, both get tags, both come running in, but it's Road Dog has got with a back body drop, sending him to the outside. China with an Irish whip. Road Dog ducking that and a bit of shake, rattle, and right hand. Some shake, rattle, and knee drop to follow it up into the cover. <coughs> well, Billy in to help. And now X Pac's got China in the corner. We're going to see something that we saw in the uh, One Night in China film a bit of Bronco busting. And now Billy's going to go after X Pac. Oh, and China pulling X-Pac out of the ring. Billy Gunn missed it all. We've got a pump handle slam. Plants Billy Gunn. One, two, three. And Road Dog and X-Pac are officially DX. China and Mr. Gunn. But it's interesting to think, I think the wrong team won there. You know, don't get me wrong, the, the, the fans are happy about it. But to kind of build Billy, Billy Gunn's momentum... He won King of the Ring, then he loses that match, you know. And it's just kind of weird, even though they're accidental, you know, with China pulling X-Pac out. But still, I think Road Dogg and X-Pac were good. I think it's a good match, though, you know. It was an entertaining match, yeah. You know, again, good with the storyline. I think the wrong person ate the pin. You know, it could have been China just as easily. But I think they've kind of built China up to be quite unstoppable. Oh, really good stuff there, even though Billy and China lost. And Road Dogg gets the microphone. He says, you can cut our music, and if you're not down with that, we got two words for you. So is this when Mr. Ask gets his uh, armor? Yep, he's got the theme, and now he's going to try, they're going to see what can happen with Billy Gunn as he moves towards SummerSlam. We see Austin in the back, he's got a massive plaster on his forehead, lacing up his boot. Yeah, getting ready for tonight, after the night he had, but up next, it is the fully loaded strap match. And it's Triple H versus The Rock, and these two men have had a hell of a rivalry. Triple H and The Rock were once the cornerstones of their respective crews. For Triple H, it was DX. Break it down. Part of The Rock will now be played by Triple H. You know, The Rock just came from the bathroom. You should have smelled what The Rock was cooking. For The Rock, it was the nation. But when The Rock gets a hold of your candy ass, he's going to lay the smack down on you. battled for the Intercontinental title. The Intercontinental gold hangs in the balance. Yes! He did it! He did it! Triple H did it! But now, both men are striving for a richer prize. There is only one thing on my mind. I've got one goal, and it's to be the WWF champion. I want my shot. Let's get one thing perfectly clear. The millions... Rocks fans need The Rock as their WWF champ. Both these men have the same dream. That's to be the WWF champion. Two of the youngest, brightest superstars in the whole game today. What a physical, thrilling battle. They are dissecting each other here. It's now personal here for The Rock and Triple H. The 82nd Airborne puts quiet this rivalry. track and it leads to the wwf title and nobody 
is going to stop me. Understand this for a second. He beat your ass in a cage match, and now you're the number one contender for the WWF title. Well, The Rock realizes why that is. You're genius. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely a genius. Because you got a three-foot nose, you turn it sideways, and stick it straight up Vince's ass. Number one contender or no number one contender, The Rock is going to do to you exactly what he does best, and that's lay the smack down on your candy ass. So, so far since we've been watching this, The Rock started off heel, yep. went face, yep. went heel, and he's back as a face? Yes. And Triple H has been a heel, face, heel, face, heel. But again, it's just interlocking the story, and it's kind of The Rock, who has been champion, bringing Triple H up on his level, fighting for the number one contendership of the WF, and it makes Triple H seem like he's a main eventer now as well, with change of attitude. When you think like these men were fighting over the Intercontinental title. And of course next year they'll be fighting at SummerSlam for the WF title. So it just shows you. Oh absolutely yeah. And you know we talk about um, Rock and Austin and their storied rivalry. But I think you know Rock and Triple H have got a storyline close to that as well. Right out. You know look at when the Rock debuted. You know his first match at WF Triple H was on the other side of the ring. The first time he won the Intercontinental title against Triple H as well. You know so it's just so many things. And why don't they do it nowadays with guys coming in and have two guys feuding and bring them up each year. Do you know, it just makes perfect sense. But no, because when new guys come in, they just bury them. Mm. It's like they've got the Nation and DX and they've moved on now. It was Corporation versus The Rock. Ugh. And an awesome promo video there. There's Triple H coming out now. There's Triple H. You see Triple H coming out here on his own, obviously without China who was involved in the match before. You see, so he hasn't really got his uh, water spitting entrance yet, but he's he's getting there a little bit. You know, hangs round on the apron. And of course, Triple H's got no legal right to DX now. Absolutely not, no. So they've had um, a cast match. The ladder match. The ladder match. Steel cage match. And now a strap match. The Rock is on fire at this fucking point as well. This fucking promo he's doing is brilliant. Just think Rock started off, like he said, as a heel, and now he's one of the beloved faces, only behind... Stone Cold, but when he says stuff about Triple H saying the only reason they kick it down because you suck, you believe that they well, don't like in, each other. Like, I don't know well, how they know, do it's, it. It's like, you know, you're, you're whining to <laughs> JR about they kept me down for five years because I said goodbye to your Rudy Pooh friends. <laughs> you know, he's bringing real life into it as well. And it was a general, you know, you can say there's a, a rivalry about who wants to be the best. And at the moment, the Rock's been to the top of the mountain. So the winner will meet Whoever the champion will be at SummerSlam. So, again, another reason for this matchup. The Rock's not waiting around. Rock's not even strapped up yet. <clears throat> so, is this a four-corner strap match? Uh, no, I think it's anything goes. I think it's pinfall submission. 
So, completely pointless. Then. I'm pretty sure, unless they do touch full side, but what I remember, I think it's just pinfall. Oh, the rock now just beating up Triple H, going on the outside, he's got hold of the strap. Pulling Triple H towards the ring post, head first. See the rock, now getting the strap. The rock's got a camera. Of a member of the audience. <laughs> and that would be a picture to develop, wouldn't it? I was just about to say that, yeah. <laughs> Wonder what that's worth now. <clears throat> well, he took a picture with the people's camera. Well, now tri- camera. And Triple H now sending the rock into Barry Cade. It's a fully loaded leather strap. Well, he went for the strap, but the rock dodged it. Turned him into the announce table. Now the rock puts Triple H on the Spanish announce table. Triple H just managing to fight back, though. Rock drops stern and first onto the Spanish announce table. And it's all Triple H at the moment. He withstood the Rock's early onslaught. Now he's in controls, he throws it back in the ring. So again, with predictions, it'd be hard to call it evil one way or the other, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly, because you know how popular the Rock is. I mean, it all maybe depends on how you went. An event, you know, if you fancy Stone Cold to win, then... Go for Triple H. Triple H, and then, yeah, maybe the Rock and Untake again after unfinished business last month. But the Rock's been there and done that, and uh, Triple H hasn't had a one-on-one opportunity... Fully WWF Championship, yeah. Not on pay-per-view, anyway. As a clothesline takes the rock down. What do you think of the leather strap match itself? Or any kind of, you know, whatever they want to call Russian chain match, whoever it is. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I think there's a bit far too much in some places. But it does make sense in the right kind of storyline. And, you know, normally with the strap matches, is you've got to touch the turnbuckles in succession. I think that's... Kind of like the good idea about it, like, you know, if you feel you're being held back by someone in that kind of storyline, you know, or there's always been some sort of link between Triple H and The Rock, so, you know, it's like that that visually shows you the link between the two. Uh, Just having them for the sake of it, I think they're quite silly. Well, to be honest, said it's a special circumstance, but The Rock and Triple H face off so many times, I think you're going to have to find different match types to kind of keep it fresh. You know, they can't just have like a no-holes-barred no match or something like that. But the thing I do enjoy is that it's um, it's not an Extreme Rules-type pay-per-view, you know. That's kind of got out of hand. Like the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, you know. We used to see... We've seen one at New Year's Revolution. We've seen one at Survivor Series. I think, you know, having them dotted here, there and everywhere, but not having their own pay-per-view about it, like Hell in a Cell... Uh, and, you know, I think even Money in the Bank as well. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Because even on the, the WWE 24 with Batista, he originally pitched for a Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania, but Vince Mann had said, well, no, it's got the same pay-per-view now. You can't have it. And I think it would have been better as a Hell in a Cell match, you know, Triple H Batista, as opposed to what it was. And if, if you can't have it and to tell a story with a feud, then what's the point if it is just that one, you know, or it's this month that you've got to have this, even though it means nothing in the storyline-wise. It's Triple H now taking advantage of the rock inside the people. <coughs> Thinks Triff China's uh, not being here is a disadvantage to Triple H? I don't know. I think it makes it for a better match because obviously anything goes in this kind of match. So China could easily just come in and interfere and finish it off quite quickly. But, you know, because they've had the China match before, she's obviously still recovering from... Uh, you know, getting beaten up and whatever went on in that match. So, you know, I think it's good to have these two guys go one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if Triple H is to win, it makes him look better and more legitimate threat. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really important thing as well, to say that, yeah, he did it himself. And I think that does matter, uh, even when it's like, well, it's only really matters who win. So I think it's how you do it sometimes as well. That shows how good a champion, how you're tr- going to be treated 
Another kind of main event style as well. As Rock now just laying a smack down, the strap coming back. Oh, but Triple H just dragging the Rock towards him, sending him into barricade. Rock's in a bit of trouble. We spoke about during the DX match how well they knew each other. You, you know, when you faced off so many times, you, that's why so many get reversals in this. Because they do know each other so well, you know. Well, it's quite apt that Extreme Rules, Rules was this month. And this pay-per-view falls in this month. And it's like an Extreme Rules kind of bootleg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <coughs> but despite all that going on, you know, we've seen like an Iron Circle match. We've seen a Hardcore match. We got this strap match, but yet no blood has been shed. No, the only blood we've seen is yeah, through Undertaker and Austin, parts, yeah. which is of course the main event. Like I said, that kind of brings it in as well. You're like, oh my god, that is going to be vicious then. To keep it apart from, like I said, the other matches we've seen, yeah. and from the storyline wise, it all makes sense. The matches that we've we've had as well, we've seen all the title change, have four title changes. We've seen the rightful owner for the uh, DX moniker. Shamrock, you know, getting a bit of rege- redemption over Blackman. The number one contendership match now, and of course the main event still. And the Rock now, well, JR's is the best. <laughs> He's getting whipped like a government mule. He's in a strap to full effect there, whipping over the Rock's back. Right to the face of the Rock. So how much depth do you think this current roster has to it? I don't think they're not a lot main event-wise. You no, know. I mean, like, how many wrestlers would you say are in WWE? Oh, uh, less than a hundred. Yeah, well, definitely. Yeah, or maybe less fifty. You know, it depends on developmental and stuff like this. Uh, the main roster, yeah, maybe forty. Yeah. You know, look at the Rumble this year and see how, you know, Rumble '99, how kind of soft the roster was in that terms with everybody involved in that card. So yeah, forty, fifty, and then they're building it on now. So we're gonna get. So we've seen the big show now, of course, we've got the countdown to Millennium coming, and I then who that is. also the New Year as well, the Frank Radical happens, yeah. so you're getting all these little bits and pieces. But I think WWE could easily cut their roster in half. Yeah. Right, they don't want to, though, know. and, and the reason is they want to stockpile talent, and, and it's, it's a thing that is not good. The, the reason why these guys have made it into stars, your Triple H, your Rocks, your Austins, are because they've got a chance to breathe, go of it, when they're Macho man's your Hogan's and your people at left. And yeah. if if the people are still going back to legends, it means you won't build the stars that people rely on. That's why we have to dig people out from the Attitude Era and, and 20 years ago as well. Just look at Royal Reunion. <laughs> you know, these are two guys here. At this time, Triple H and The Rock, Triple H's not been champion yet. And you're looking towards yeah. the future. You go, right, these are two guys in their 20s, much like Kane and Big Show. Absolutely, yeah. And Kane's only had a title for 24 hours at that point as well, so... And again, we've got the action back in the ring now, and Triple H is just whipping the fuck out of The Rock with that strap. The Rock with the right hands, but gets cut off by Triple H. A rake to the eyes from The Rock, but a high knee from Triple H kind of slows it again. Oh. Now China's composed herself after her match, so she's making her way back down to ringside. Well, if Triple H wants to do it by himself, he won't be happy to see China. <clears throat> well, Triple H is telling China to have a word of referee as The Rock catches Triple H, plants him with a rock bottom. With China distracting the ref. Well, Mike Howler can't see what's going on. And The Rock saying, oh. Well, The Rock saying to the referee, get in position, but Triple H with a low blow. So in a match where you can whip the shit out of someone, you're not allowed to use a low blow. <laughs> no, it's Triple H on the attack in the corner. What is Triple H trying to do here? Crutching. Well, he's gone over the top rope. I suppose he had to go over the top. He could go off the top. He could go off the top to get that, yeah. 
Well, he's on top now, and it looks like he's going to maybe choke out the rock. And he's wrapping a strap around the throat of the rock. And the rock now is going to be fading fast. And you see the evil look on China's face as the rock spittles coming out. Triple H is just draining the life from the rock. And I think that's it. The rock may be out. Checking the arm once. And that's twice. Three times, maybe. Ah, the rock keeps his arm held high. Trying to fight back up. Well, that could have gone like tight. Well, the rock throws Triple H across the ring with a strap. See, even the commentators don't know why the ref's counting. Well, both men slowly getting to their feet. You think maybe Triple H's got a slight advantage now. But the Rock fighting back with huge right hands, rocking the game. But Triple H with just a knee to the midsection slows him down, backs him up into a corner. Irish rip reversed by the Rock. <laughs> and just drags him back towards him by the strap and clotheslines him down. And it brings it into flapjack him on that top turnbuckle. And a Samoan drop. It's got a handle of the strap, goes for the cover. Only a two count. Two. Double up. Triple H dragging the rock to the outside. Now the rock's in a precarious position now, and Triple H's taking the strap off. The referee needs to sort this out and sending the rock into the barricade. Why is the referee not reprimanding Triple H? For maybe he's scared to get involved. Or maybe he shouldn't be a referee then. Now Triple H going to the ringside table and getting a chair. Well, the rock could be in serious trouble now. Oh, as Triple H held the chair, ready to cave the rock's skull in. The Rock responded by a few hard whips with a strap. And now the strap on is on Triple H's back, getting sent to the woodshed. And Triple H getting dragged back to the ring. And the Rock's already had Triple H beaten once in this match. Got to look for it again, but no, Triple H managed to keep alive. And the Rock with a DDT to the cover. Two, no. Well, he got the shoulder up at two. Two. And now China's up on the apron, referee distracted. Billy came in with like a club in his hands, took out the rock. One, two. Oh! No. The rock just managing to kick out. Oh. Despite it being an anything goes match, he still done it behind the ref's back. And now Triple H can't believe it. He's choking out the rock as Billy and China look on. Why the hell is Triple H not wearing the strap? Well, he's going to go for the pedigree. No, the rock goes low, slams Triple H. Then he's got in position. For the most electronic move in sports entertainment. Drops the elbow to the heart of the game, into the cover. Oh, and Billy Gunn grabs hold of the strap, pushes a rock off. He gets hit with a rock bottom, but loads the rock up for the pedigree. Triple H hits it, goes, for the, free. goes for the cover, gets the job done. Yeah, you're right, Triple H is the new number one contender. He's going to be fight, facing either Austin or Untake at SummerSlam. But it would have beat the rock. Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? I thought it was quite a good match. Um, again, Triple H, he should have won it a bit more cleaner, I think. It kind of gave him a bit of vindication to be actually classed as a number one contender. But aside from that, the match was very entertaining. There was some questionable refereeing choices, but well, it, it, again, it was very entertaining. The thing I like about it is that the Rock didn't go down easy. One, and it took three people, and even now the Rock... You know, it's the fans still loving for it. And that's the way, if you're going to lose, to do that. And plus it puts Triple H now in the main event of SummerSlam. And will he become champion for the very first time? But who will be the champion? That is a question we ask ourselves. And up next, it's the end of an era. Is it going to be Vincent Mann or Stone Cold? who will never have a shot again. First blood match. Both men have busted each other open to start the night as well.
Austin wanted them. I tasted the blood of Austin. Austin is bleeding. And I liked it. That fully loaded Austin. I want a first blood match. I do accept that fully loaded. I will say to you, paybacks are a bitch. I've got something to say about that. This one way or another will be the end of an era. Austin, when The Undertaker defeats you, you will never again in your professional career ever even attempt to become champion again. If you are somehow victorious, neither you nor either any of these people will ever see Vince McMahon again. If you don't want to see Vince McMahon no more, give me a hell yeah. I won't accept your word for it. I want it in writing. And look at him, The Undertaker with a horrendous cheap shot on the champion, Austin Austin. Don't tell me The Undertaker is filling that gin with Austin's own blood. Undertaker, you want my blood? You son of a bitch, I want a piece of your ass. Somebody's got to go and go for good. The hell with business. With Austin, it's personal. Somebody's gonna bleed. Somebody's gonna leave. It won't be the end of an era. It'll just be the end of you. And that's the bottom line. Custom Cold Sensor. So basically, it's just a case of the first man to take the plaster off the other man's head wins. Basically, yeah. Well, I mean, this is a feud that's been going on for quite a while now. So ever since Austin got screwed out the title uh, over the edge, thanks to Shane McMahon, find out Vince McMahon was part of the hi- higher power. Austin won the title back after being CEO. CEO. I mean, it doesn't really slow down in Raw, does it? Austin's had quite a busy year. Absolutely not, no. But I'm surprised, you know, because nowadays the amount of exposure Austin has, yeah, he's a lovable character. But I think fans would have got bored of him. I don't know. I don't know with Austin because we've seen Austin a lot. We've seen oh, him. We, we've seen him three times already tonight, three or four times tonight, and he's going to come out main event. We'll see if the reaction dampens. I think with Austin, it was just saying, I don't know the way he was booked as well. I think that's important to like not overexpose him. We've seen some rules where Austin hasn't shown up. Whether they do it nowadays, I think that's a question. But Vince McMahon set the stakes, and he's putting it all. Of course, McMahon signed uh, the first blood contract in Austin's blood. Is an end of an era. But this is a kind of stipulation. I don't want to see kind of end in... I want to see it last for a little while. Yeah. I mean, this lasts at least two months. Actually, no, I think it is actually a month. But we'll find... But then again, yeah, at this point, this is before they start doing it all the time, isn't it? You know, so... How many times has John Cena been retired and stuff like that? Of course, see Austin with a belt shot, which busted McMahon wide open. He gave us that fantastic poster. Austin, what is that one of your blood? But unlike WCW, it actually tells you what's been going on and makes sense of the story. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and not everyone is overly busy as well. I mean, Austin, you know his feud is with McMahon, but McMahon's porn is the Undertaker at the moment. You know, and it's... And it goes on like that, you know, Undertaker's not feuding with Triple H, The Rock, Mr. Ass, China, fucking Tim White, the referee, and JR, you know, he is, you know, who he's going against. Yeah. But I think what's good about it, even though it's the same matches we have seen 
freshes it up, different stipulations and stuff, makes it fresh. Like, we talk about SummerSlam 1998, nearly a year ago from this event, and you talk about Rock and Triple H facing off for the Intercontinental title. Well, in the main event, it was Young Steve Austin for the WF Championship. So exactly the same two matches are our cone and main event, but it feels different and fresh because of the kind of new layer of storylines to it, unlike what they did in WSW where it was just same old, same old. Absolutely. And McMahon coming out in crutches and looking at the poster saying, that's not going to happen tonight, not any night. Well, Vince McMahon is t- telling Howard Finkel he's been on commentary for this end of an era match. Hi, Mr. McMahon. Now, Vince McMahon, I love him on commentary because he talks outside. Of- he did it for years when he was on main commentary. It's brilliant. Well, Jared might not be intentional. Dun, dun, dun. Has he got the music as well? Dun, dun, dun. I love that music. Dun, 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 dun. Get for our main event and Undertaker just making sure it stopped bleeding. He's had staples to stop the bleed. And there's a chill in the air as Yontek comes out looking to reclaim his WF Championship. And the man probably the most evil in the World Wrestling Federation in 1999. But man has put everything on this man. Well, an Undertaker is kind of like a veteran at this point, 10 years in. But man's saying, but man's saying he's guaranteeing the Undertaker is going to win here tonight. Fucking ever. Well, he's calling Noah Hebner over just to check to make sure he's not busted open. Make sure I'm not bleeding. Oh, he's asking him if... Have <laughs> I learned too much? And Austin is getting ready in the back. Dun, 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 I like dun, this dun. kind of backstage. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I do. There we go. We've seen it all. And now it's just time for the main event. Austin is going to make his way out here. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that is not water that Stone Cold is drinking. It is vodka. He only has beer after the match. We just wait Austin's entrance. I think the fans are happy to see him. Absolutely, yeah. Not quite sure how this match is going to go, though. Well, no, the Texas Rattlesnake's coming out right away. On the attack. And here we go. His first blood, so anything goes. It'll even mean Austin is fighting Jeff Jarrett. That's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T. Or maybe D-Lo for the European title if he loses. He went for the title belt shot early. Take a dodged it. Punching Austin in the head. Stone Cold's just checking to see if he's bleeding yet. My man's saying that someone's going to bleed profusely. It's not going to stop for a trickle. Austin keeping his hands up, even though Undertaker's just punching the fuck out of him. He's trying to protect his wound on his head. Undertaker knocking Austin over Barry Cade. And Vince McMahon definitely has a lot invested in this match. Austin's been stitched up. Undertaker's been stapled up. And Undertaker, uh, Austin with the right hands. Hurting his own knuckles. Undertaker blocking the barricade shot. And Austin staying protected on the Undertaker. It's best strategy, really. Just an elbow to the face, and any of these shots could bust Austin open. But as Vince McMahon said, they're not going to stop it for a trickle. Someone's got to be bleeding profusely. And now the Undertaker just ripping at the stitches and the bandage. Talk about sadistic. McMahon just being a cheerleader. Austin blocking the shots to the steel stairs. Uh, managing to fight back against the Undertaker. Telling him he's number one. And trying to attempt to bounce his head off the steel stairs, but Undertaker blocking it. Oh my god, Undertaker with a huge shot, sending Austin over Barry Cade again. And he's got the stairs! He just throws them at Stone Cold, landing at the feet of the fans. Yeah, Undertaker sending Austin into the chairs and the stand. Stone Cold managing to fight back against the dead man. And Vincent Mann saying he doesn't care about the Undertaker, all he wants him to do is stop Stone Cold. Austin with the steel stairs going towards the Undertaker, but Undertaker managing to fight out. For some reason, I just find it really exciting as well. Like, it's a, not a race against time, but you know one of these guys is going to bleed, and it's who does it first. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't feel like a kind of long, drawn-out match. No. 
Most finale on the announce table right in front of Vincent Mann. McMahon doesn't care about Undertaker. I'm, I'm no Undertaker doesn't care about McMahon. All Austin cares about is being champion. The stitches get ripped again, but Austin fighting back. Huge Undertaker slowing Austin's momentum down. Now these have actually got into the ring. It's all Undertaker now as he's choking out Austin. Both men have already been busted open already today. You can hear McMahon shouting, don't go for the throat, go for the cut. Well, Vincent Mann certainly has got a lot riding on this. Trying to work the midsection as well, maybe for some internal bleeding. And a straight shot, and Austin's in serious trouble. Up against the ropes. <laughs> Undertaker just kicking the referee, helping her out of the way. Now just choking Austin in the corner. Undertaker, the Irish whip to Austin. Thunderous in the corner. Goes to follow up with a big boot, but Austin moving out of the way. Trapping Undertaker's leg over the top rope. And just kicking his standing leg. Austin trying to chop the big tree down. Gets Undertaker in the corner. But Undertaker just pulls Austin's leg. Grabs him towards him. And now Stone Cold's turn to grab at the stitches and the staples in the head of the Undertaker. And Austin now just going from head to leg. He sets him up on that bottom rope. Just stomping away at the Undertaker. The look on that man's face says it all. Complete disdain for Austin. Looks like there's loads of blood gathering under the uh, plaster. Austin now just picking apart the Undertaker. He can't let the choke slam tombstone to go after the stitches if he's on the mat. And now Austin with a ring post. Wrapping Undertaker's leg around the post. You can hear McMahon getting frustrated with the Undertaker. All Austin. Well, I wonder what the consequences will be for the Undertaker if he does lose this match. The Undertaker just kicks Stone Cold off, sends him over Barry Cade. Vince McMahon thinks Austin's busted open, can't quite see from where he's sitting. The Undertaker's limp invisibly going after Austin. Like I say, who would take control? I guess it would be Shane McMahon who would take control. Or Linda. Or maybe Linda and have that problem again. Three of them having a quarter each, I suppose. <laughs> Shout out to Luke. Now, big right hands by Austin. Well, Austin went to Irish Street, Undertaker and Barricade, who reversed it. Austin went flying over. And the referee checking Austin after he went head first into the announce table. Undertaker's getting a chair, he definitely means business. Oh, Austin managing to duck though, because that would have taken his head off. Jesus Christ. The Undertaker nearly taken out the King and Vincent Mann. And a drop toehold sends Undertaker head first into the still steps. No, he's not bleeding yet. Referee's got an eye on it. Now Austin just choking the Undertaker. And now Austin's got a fan. <laughs> Straight into the forehead of the Undertaker. Undertaker's thrown back in and Austin now. Hey. Austin went low. The Undertaker hit him and Undertaker just went into El Hebner. Oh, Austin looking for a stunner. And now Undertaker's trapped in the ring ropes. And it was thanks in part to Earl Hebner. Couldn't get out of the way. He's caught with nowhere to go. And Austin has got a free shot. And he's going to use it wisely. He's going to grab himself a steel chair. And Vincent Mann cannot believe it. It's going to be all over for him. And here comes Shane. Oh! <laughs> Austin saw that one coming out the back of his head. And uh, just knocked Shane for six with that steel chair. Shane won't wake up till SummerSlam. Undertaker's still in position. Austin's got the chair. Oh, but Taker getting a foot up. Oh, and I bet the Undertaker is furious. Well, Hebner would be just pleased to be out there at the moment. Oh, and Undertaker going down low, kicking Austin in his rattlesnakes. Oh, but man, he's swallowing hard at the moment. It's when he's swallowing hard, it's, it's cause for concern, but you really want to start panicking when he starts rubbing his earlobes. <laughs> at the moment, Undertaker back in control. Thanks in part to Shane, as we see replay of his chair shot. And as he's choking Austin out in the corner, Undertaker's taking off the turnbuckle, as we see in our 
double feature. And it's left exposed. The Untaker saying, you're going to bleed, boy. I'm going to bust you wide open, boy. Oh, but Austin went low. Fair play. Hits a stunner. <laughs> and Vincent Mann is recovering, trying to get in. Well, he's hobbling. And he gently hit Austin on the ankle with the crutch. <laughs> and Austin has wiped out Vince. So that's two McMahon he's taken out. And he's got another chair now. He's going to use it on the Undertaker. No, the Undertaker had a chair of his own. Went to the ribs of Austin. And a shot across the back. Oh, Hebner's dis- trying to discipline the Undertaker. But he just gets choked and thrown into the corner. And now the referee is down. And this situation, situation. becomes more dangerous. And... Undertaker's got the chair. It's X-Puck. X-Puck with a kick. And it's X-Puck who just got his revenge on the Undertaker. And it could have busted him wide open. But Austin's got a camera. Well, is the Undertaker bleeding? Well, no, Undertaker's not bleeding. But Austin's got a camera. Pow! Straight to the head of the dead man. Well, lights, camera, action. And Shane's back in. <laughs> Shane's alive. Shane's back down. Oh, my God. The Undertaker is busted wide open. He's bleeding badly. Oh, Hebner sees this. This will be it. And now Antek and Austin just fighting out, but man knows his destiny's in the hands of Earl Hebner. Tombstone. Earl Hebner notices it, rings the bell. Undertaker's not happy with that. Earl Hebner. And then he gets a stunner. <laughs> well, Austin stuns the Undertaker. He's still champion, but man gets in. But he's no longer chairman of the company. Vince gets a stunner. <laughs> and McMahon has, has gone out on the bottom. Oh, now Triple H is in, the new number one contender. Well, he's, he's looking to get a jump on the rattlesnake. Like I said, these two men will face off at SummerSlam. And it's Triple H now putting the whipping on Austin. Who's coming down now? It's The Rock! <laughs> the man who lost to Triple H. Well, he wants a bit of revenge. Laying a smack down. And it's Rock and Triple H brawling on the outside. Oh my God, the Undertaker with a chair. Just taking out Austin with a steel chair. Oh, hell was broken loose, but it's kind of... Progress the storylines a bit. And now Austin is busted wide open. Untaker has lost his shit. <laughs> Taking his anger out on the bell table. But Austin with a crutch hits Undertaker from behind. And now both of these men just blood everywhere. Oh my god, this is this is nasty stuff. Talk about blood and guts. Shane's up again. Shane's up. <laughs> Shane's down. For the third time tonight, Undertaker's just knocked Shane McMahon. Off his feet. He protected himself from the the object thrown. And now it's just a absolute brawl for these two men. Trainers, referees, EMTs down trying to separate these two. And a man with a handsome mullet. And the fans charting Austin. He is still champion. Cameraman down. Well, the Untaker is furious. And you got to think he's got to blame X-Puck for this. And Austin running through the ring. Going to take out the Undertaker. As they're brawling up the entranceway. Well, it's pandemonium as Untaker... Walks away. Austin bleeding the world, but I think McMahon now realises that that's his, this is it. That's it. There's the end of an era. Untaker watching on. And Austin coming back in. McMahon slowly get to his feet, and Austin wants to shake his hand in respect. Good night, sweet prince. Boom! <laughs> and a stunner to send the former chairman of the WWE on his way. And Stone Cold is still champ. Overcoming the odds. We know what's next for him at SummerSlam. But tonight, McMahon is gone. And so is Yantek. Dan, what do you think of that match? I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It was a very good brawl. Um, the storytelling in it was absolutely perfect. You see X-Pac coming back for his revenge. 
from earlier on in the night. You see uh, Triple H coming out to front his next challenge. You saw The Rock trying to get some retribution on Triple H. You see The Undertaker getting pissed off, even if it is with Shane McMahon taking him out as well. Um, yeah, you know, it is, it's absolutely brilliant for storytelling, storylines, and just progression of, you know, you've kind of got a good grasp on what's going to happen next. Yeah, without a doubt. You can see why I love this pay-per-view so much. It's just kind of everything the Attitude Era is all about right here. Do you know what I mean? And that's what I really enjoy. As Austin finishes covered in blood, but still WF champion. Let's go look back then at the uh, the card. And we started off the IC title match Edge versus Jeff Jack. That is J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T. Um, it was a solid match, you know, it, it, there was a good bit of involvement there from Gangrel kind of trying to do his usual bloodbath routine on Edge and he kind of come off unsuccessful in that, which, you know, very entertaining as well and the storyline was great. Yeah, no, I, I really, I thought it was a great way to start. What was your score? I gave it a three and a quarter. I gave it a three and a half out of five. Then we had the APA versus the Hardys and Michael Hayes. I don't know what Michael Hayes was uh, really doing there. At well, some I think point. he was only there to eat the pin. Yeah, well, to be fair, he did. And Bradshaw really enjoyed himself beating the shit out of um, a lot, you know, beating the shit out of everyone, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He really, really enjoyed beating the shit out of everyone. Uh, I gave that a three and a quarter out of five. Uh, I gave that to a three and a quarter out of five. Yeah, fun madness. Then Midian versus D'Lo. Um, it was very slow, and it's that you know they're not the greatest wrestlers. It was quite an uneventful match, you know. Even though D'Lo kind of regained his European Championship, I think that was the only kind of part of the storyline there that that was enjoyable. Midian is absolutely fucking awful. Yeah, I gave that a two and a half out of five. Uh, I gave that a two and three quarters out of five. Yeah, it was slow, but D'Lo is good. Al Snow, Brad, uh, Al Snow, Boss Man, hardcore match. I thought this was fun. I like the storylines between the two, Al Snow going into madness, and the spots backstage is good. It's a good hardcore match. You can't you can't argue with it. You know, it says what it does what it says on the tin, doesn't it? Yeah, it was a crazy and fun match, and it was just weapon shot after weapon shot. I think it kind of takes the sting. You know, uh, Bossman hit Snow over the head with a brick, and he never managed yeah. to keep him down for free. I think you know it kind of takes a little bit away from things. But yeah, you know, it was a fun and. Crazy match. Yeah, I still gave it three and a half out of five. Uh, I gave it a three and a quarter out of five. And then KV Show wasn't the match that I, I kind of wanted. It was kind of setting into place stuff we'd see over the next month, which is good enough. The finish is more important than anything else. And I liked Hardcore Holly's invo- involvement. I still thought it was a basic match, though. Yeah, uh, I, I thought it was a good match. It was more of a storyline angle than in itself, but it was still fun and enjoyable. And it it was harmless as well. What did you give that? Uh, a three and a quarter. I gave that a three out of five. Shamrock Blackman, he only lasted like four minutes inside the Iron Circle, but I love Crazy Ken, uh, and I'm always going to be a fan of Shamrock because I, you know when people act crazy, you don't usually believe it. With Shamrock, there's a look in his eyes where he's not there, and that's what I like about him, you know? Yeah. Well, I thought it was very brutal, but no blood. Uh, it was quite short, but it was straight to the point of, you know, it told exactly what it wanted to tell. Uh, and I'll give that a three and a quarter. I'll give it a three and a half out of five. And then Gun and China versus Road Dog and X-Puck for DX. Uh, again, you know, with these guys, it was a, a very solid match. Um, you know, all four of these competitors, they've all been their own thing to the game. Um, I, I thought there was a very good story told as well throughout the match, you know, for the control of DX. Both teams had kind of very good points 
of why they should be for DX, but I think it went to the right team in yeah. the end. Yeah, I thought this was really good stuff from all four involved. I'm surprised Billy Gunn lost, but it was nice that the faces actually get a victory. Uh, so for me, I gave that a four out of five. Uh, I gave that a three and three quarters out of five. Rock Triple H in the fully loaded strap match. Uh, interference involved. A couple of strange things, but you can't do between Rock and Triple H. They can't not have a good match, especially when their number one contenderships on the line. I was really impressed with what these two can do. And they're definitely the future at this point. Absolutely, yeah. It was, you know, a good match. And the ending kind of made the Rock look strong and Triple H maybe a little bit too weak. Mm. But, uh, again, you know, it was a good match. You can see that the WWF has high hopes for these two going forward. Well, that Triple H, you know, where any means necessary getting a victory, we'll see what happens when he has to face Stone Cold, who won the main event. Uh, what was your score, sorry, for Rock Triple H? Uh, I gave that a three and three quarters. I gave that a four and a quarter. And then Austin Yantake, we talk about the WWF title, Austin wins in just a kind of attitude era main event you know like i said there wasn't that many wrestling moves but it didn't matter because you had everything involved and i loved when everything broke down at the end with rock and triple h uh coming out and fighting as well with shane it just made it sense for everything that we've seen this past year you know absolutely yeah you know it was a great brawl um and again the storytelling throughout this was good and even the ending as you say you know it kind of opened up things for right well we know that triple h is going to be going after austin uh, the Rock wanted retribution against Triple H. So, you know, all the run-ins kind of made sense. You yeah. know, it wasn't like just people coming out of the back just for the fun of it to try and make himself a name. It was all leading up to either the next pay-per-view or the next night on Raw. So you kind of know what was going on. Right, uh, I gave that a four and a half out of five. Uh, I gave that a four and a quarter. <coughs> so what is your match for that then? Austin Taker? Uh, Austin Taker, yeah. And score, I mean, I'm biased, as you know, because I love this era and I love this pay-per-view. So for me, it's a solid 9 out of 10. But Dan may be a little bit less biased. Um, I'm going to go for an 8 and 1 quarter out of 10. It, The matches weren't anything off the card, but they were solid matches. You know, aside from the midi and D-low, I think that was kind of the only lull yeah. in it. Um, aside from that, you know, it was it was good. It was fun. Um and everything had meaning to it as well. You know, there was no, like, wasted match, as it were. Without a doubt. And even the storyline through it of Austin and Undertaker trying to bust each other open, I think, shows how good it was. Building towards the biggest event of the summer, SummerSlam, we kind of already know that we've got, well, we know we've got Triple H and Austin, and, of course, like, Billy Gunn and The Rock and, and X-Puck and the Undertaker feud and stuff like this as well. I think it's interesting. But there you have it. But what would the fallout be on Raw? We'll move on July 26th. And it's episode 322. We're in a Gundarine in Cleveland, Ohio. And of course, we've got Jim Ross and Jerry Lawyer here on commentary. Well, we're a night removed from Fully Loaded, where Steve Austin retained the WWF title over The Undertaker in a first blood match, meaning Vince McMahon is gone forever. Yes, forever from TV. The other big story saw Triple H become the new number one contender by defeating The Rock, which I'm sure will go nowhere, but let's get to it. Well, we're hoping with the stills of last night's main event as X-Pac interfered to cost Undertaker the match. Get rid of Vince for, uh, oh, I'll give it a week. 
Indeed, yes. Well, JR says, tonight a new era begins on Raw. And I don't want to imagine Vince Russo's idea of a new era. We get the opening sequence. Well, we cut to the back where Undertaker beats up X-Pac, plus Road Dog for an attempting to make a save. Undertaker drags X-Pac into the arena and chokes him in the ring until Kane, looking rather slim, comes out for the save. This brings out Big Show and the numbers are too much for Kane, so the fans chant for Austin. The beatdown goes on for a good while as the We Want Austin chants continue. Undertaker and Show shake hands and leave because we have a new Evil Alliance. Yeah, but imagine this Evil Alliance now, Big Show and... And the big show, what you can accomplish through listening to the Undertaker. I mean, I know it's no Hark or Holly, but still, it's very impressive that this unholy alliance has been born. So, yeah, kind of what does that leave? Does that not go anywhere then? The uh, the big show, Hardcore Holly kind of alliance over helping him beat Kane? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they kind of just drop it now and that's kind of basically it. You know, it's, it's more about the Undertaker with the big show with going up against X-Fucking Kane, so... What the fuck is going on here? This is shit. I hate the new network. <laughs> You're a cunt. I don't want to start fucking over. I just want to go to the time that I've asked. Is it too much to fuck? Well, a long black limousine arrives. And it's Vince less than eight minutes into the show. Well, Chef Boy, the ad with the rock set to get in Sheffy with it. I remember this. And it's every bit as 99 as you can get in a good way. Well, during the break, Kane did a Darth Vader revenging a Sith screen before carrying X-Pac off. It must be a masked guy thing. No! Basically what it sounds like. Uh, X-Pac is taken away in an ambulance. And we go to our first match is for the tag team titles and it's Edge and Christian versus the Acolytes. Well, Edge and Christian are challenging after the Acolytes won the title last night. Harker Holly's guest ring announced after the Acolytes attacked him last week. Holly weighing in the total combined weight of, let's say, about a buck and a quarter, and that's with Christian's legs wrapped in with ace bandages to make them look bigger. Christian and Fruit start things off, but since we can't go that long without an angle, we're told that Ken Shamrock has been hit by a car. Well, a Christian spinning heel kick kicks for Rooks and hands it off to Edge, who gets headlocked by Bradshaw. A flying shoulder works a bit better on Bradshaw, and the Canadian tagging continues. Though Christian gets kicked in the face... It's off to Farouk without the tag, but the Dominator is countered with a DDT. Edge comes in as everything breaks down, with Christian taking a fallaway slam. Q Gangrel to pull Christian to safety, leaving Edge to take a double powerbomb to retain the titles. Well, Holly declares himself the winner and goes after both acolytes, earning himself a double spinebuster. Slam everyone on sight for using the voice box to threaten the Undertaker and Big Show. They hurt Sean to tonight. He's going to hurt them. Who's Sean? Sean Waltman, X-Pac. Oh. He's, he's uh, you know, breaking kayfabe. He's hurt his real friend. They hurt Sean, so I'm going to hurt them. Now I'm going to hurt you. Well, Shamrock has a bowed arm, but walks away from the EMTs. We see a clip of Shamrock being run over, which, of course, happened as X-Pac was leaving because coincidences are strong around here. Steve Blackman was driving. Well, Vince is in the arena. Austin arrives, meaning JR thinks business is about to pick up. And here's Vince without music for the big address. He's not here to break a promise and not to breach a contract. Instead, he's here to honour a promise in a contract because he never lied to anyone. Last night, he fell for the first time in his life. He took two stunners of the show end with him laid out in a pool of beer. That's not how fans want to remember him. So tonight, he's here for a more formal farewell. I actually can't get 
Well, the fans aren't exactly appreciative of Vince says he wants to be remembered as a handsome entrepreneur who had a lasting impact on our lives. This brings out Austin, which was just a matter of time. Vince says they seem to be far apart, but in reality, they are very much alike. No matter what happens, Vince will always consider himself to be the better man. Vince even offers his hand, but Austin says that's not happening after the last two years, so you can guess where that hand can go instead. Well, a man like Vince can never beat an SOB like Austin, who wants JR to come into the ring. Austin wants JR to sing a song. Laura says, sing a song. Of course, it's a goodbye song with the oh hell yeah thrown in for some flavour. Vince leaves, but does flip Austin off on the way out. Beer consumed and back on competition on the best moments of his life. Laura says to him, you're drunk. And I'm surprised they let Vince stay away this long. Low stipulation lasting wasn't Russo's strong suit. Well, post-break, Howard Finkel cries to Vince as he leaves. And Vince says, get the hell away from me, damn it. <laughs> and we end our next match is Val Venus and the Godfather versus Droz and Prince Albert. Is Val Venus and the Godfather teaming up? Pre-right to censor days. Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've they've got other problems in that nature. Wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, street fights. Uh, Venus is in a regular shirt and jeans, and after some trash talk from Venus and Godfather's regular pre-match speech, we're ready to go with Droz and Albert in street clothes as well. Godfather is the only one in gear, which is why he's a Hall of Famer. The brawl is on as it should be, with Droz and Venus fighting. On the floor, as the big guys do the same inside. Well, he switched places with Godfather and Albert fighting in the crowd, but a random guy in a white suit jumps Godfather. That would be the yet-named Key, who would be Droz's drug dealer, but wasn't around long enough to warrant a mention. He's better known as Vic Ryans from ECW. Not that it matters as a ho train money shot finish at Albert in short order. Well, Rock calls Michael Cole an idiot and puts it, a bunch of Rock shirts and gear on top of him. Rock, don't move, you puppet. It took a lot of help for Triple H to beat him last night so they're not done as for Billy Gunn the lips are getting and stuck somewhere speaking of China he knows that she's been licking her lips for him so she can get on her knees pucker her lips and get her teeth kicked into her face <laughs> some rocky chance and one more smack to Cole wrap things up the charisma and energy from The Rock are downright scary at times well Ben Stiller in the front row is introduced to the crowd as the man who loves Deborah's puppies well here are Triple H in China for a chat. Triple H doesn't care tonight because after last night, it's all about him. Man to man, Triple H can beat him because he's been watching Austin like a hawk for six months. Jesse Ventura and China aren't going to be factors at SummerSlam. JR says that would be different because it's going to be one-on-one at SummerSlam. Austin will learn that Triple H is the gamer so and he is that damn Good. So with that, the game uh, nickname for Triple H is born. And China says the Rock doesn't have the guts to come out here and say something to her face. Cue the Rock with Billy Gunn jumping in from behind. Well, that was frighteningly obvious. A low blow drops Rock and Gunn says now Rock knows his role. The villains leave, so Rock calls out Gunn and China for a handicap match tonight. I know this is a peak of Gunn's singles run, but look at his shirt and try to take him seriously. Well, we'll recap the opening segment with X-Pac being injured, setting up Kane's challenge. And then it's Kane versus the Big Show and the Undertaker. Well, they really like handicap matches tonight. Paul Bearer is out with Undertaker and Show. It's a brawl in the aisle to start until Kane and Show officially start it. And then Seguri staggers Show and Kane wants Undertaker. Kane drops Undertaker and heads outside for a nasty chair shot to Show's head. 
Undertaker grabs the chair as well, though, and knocks Kane silly for the DQ. Well, post-match, Kane pops up and gets chaired down as well. The beatdown is on until Rodog comes in, only to eat a choke slam. The monsters stand extra tall. Well, Jeff Jarrett, that's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E, double T, interrupts a Deborah photo shoot because they have to do an interview. Oh, shit, sorry. Countdown to the millennium, JR calculations, and it says it will end in two weeks. Why, yes. Yes, it does. I wonder who that could be. Who? 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 Well, here are Jarrett and Deborah for a chat with Jarrett calling Bering. He's rather excited to meet Deborah, but Jeff calls him off. Jeff knows that Stiller has a movie coming out, which is Mystery Men. So why is he in Cleveland? Stiller is here for some new world-class wrestling, such as seeing the new Intercontinental Champion, and of course, he explains Mystery Men. Well, the only reason he didn't cast Jarrett was there wasn't a character powerful enough for him to play. Jeff wants to know his favourite wrestler, which would be the Puppies. That means a figure four on Stiller until Dino Brown makes the sound has to carry a cheering Stiller out. <laughs> well, Austin is still here. And post-break replays show that Stiller had his face on the Puppies during Brown's save. Well, Triple H goes into Austin's locker room. Well, here's women's champion Ivory for a chat. Remember her? Everyone is wondering where Nicole Bass is, but Bass isn't good enough to stand in the same ring with her. She issues an open challenge to anyone in the crowd, so here's a woman who gets knocked down with belt shots on the head. Tori comes in for quickly broken up catfight. Triple H leaves Austin's locker room, and JR says, I don't think Austin was in there. Or was he? Top-level journalism. Al Snow's still insane and shouting that it has to stop. A chihuahua comes in and barks, apparently saying that it can't get any worse. Snow says, what am I, Dr. Doolittle? Well, it is Triple H versus the mentally unstable Ken Shamrock. Well, apparently Austin wasn't in the locker room, but Triple H trashed the place. There's no Shamrock, so Triple H calls him out for not resting after being hit by a car. You know, you hit by a car, just get in the ring. Well, Shamrock does come out, jeans with his arm and ribs taped. Take down as Triple H in trouble, but he gets a single shot to the ribs. Shamrock goes for the knee to Little Vale as Triple H takes out the ribs again. There's a gut buster and more stomps to said ribs, followed by a rather logical abdominal stretch, made famous by Wilbur Schneider. More shoulders to the bad ribs have Shamrock bleeding from the mat, a trademark of his, of course, internal bleeding, one of his signature moves, and a body scissors makes referee stop the match. Well, post-match, Triple H stays on the bad ribs even more with no one making the save. And then the Undertaker says the days of scary music and scary entrances are over. He and Show are taking over. Well, test, test, this is test, destroys Pete Gas of the Mean Street Posse. And now it's our main event. It's China and Billy Gunn versus The Rock. And can Rock get some retribution for what happened last night at Fully Loaded? Here we go, Rock getting down and Billy Gunn going to right hand. Rock dodging it now, laying a smackdown. And a big clothesline to Gunn. Here comes China. She gets caught with the right hand. And Gunn sent over the top. Of course, Triple H on commentary. Problems with the Rock. And now a huge right hands by the Rock. But Billy Gunn trying to fight back. China with a clothesline. Going for the Rock. He dodges. Hits Billy Gunn. Now Rock with a right hand to China. Throws Billy back in. But it gives Gunn a chance just to recover. And Gunn fighting back. Stomping the Rock in the corner. As Triple H joins JR on commentary. Well, he's saying, look at him. Do you really look he's serious? He's going to beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. He knows how much JR means to Stone Cold. It's Billy throws Rock in the corner. Hits him with a splash. <laughs> As the Rock comes bounding out of the corner, takes out Billy Gunn, who can no longer use the suck it. Oh, Billy, oh. last night, needs to respond from the loss. It's his fault that DX is no longer his. Oh, in the Irish whip, China got her legs up, kicked the Rock in the back, and a seated pile driver 
from Billy Gunn to the rock kind of puts the great one in trouble. And all Triple H wants is to become WF champion as China's in with a forearm taking the rock out. And she won't back down from the rock. Huge forearm shots. I think China delivers the most weirdest looking forearm shots ever. But the rock with the right hands. That's not the only thing she does deliver weird. But anyway, a rock Irish whip in China. Goes for a clothesline. Plants a rock with a DDT. Into the cover. Two. No, the rock managing to kick out. Oh. Austin situation in the back. Situation. Yeah, the champ looking on. As China and Billy Gunn take over this one now. And Triple H still going on about it. God almighty, sleep and eat title. All right, you want a championship. We get it already. Trying to take an advantage of uh, Billy Gunn distracting the referee by popping another cheap shot to the rock. And Austin, of course, wearing the scars of last night. Watching this in China now. Trying to fight uh, trying to fight the rock of the rock. Credit to him. They do have the rock bottom to the China, but no, Billy Gunning from behind to make the save. Well, Austin will know these two people will help Triple H try and win the title. They did it last night, and I'm sure he thinks they're going to do it at SummerSlam. The game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look at the king. So happy that JR's getting told. It's like someone coming in here and having a go at me. You'd love it. As Billy wearing down on the rock. Dim, dim. Fuck you, network. Do you know how to shut your fucking mouth? Do you? Shut if that goes back to the beginning now, it'll be so fucking... Irish whip, Billy Gunn on the rock. Rock ducking the clothesline attempt, hitting a DDT. He's got no one to tag, but he's going to try and pin Billy. No, Billy managing to kick out. Uh, I'm going to stick your bum in it. And now the Rock with the right hand, taking Billy Gunn down. Irish whip. Billy Gunn dodges a clothesline, but a beautiful Samoan drop. Doesn't go for the cover, though. Going to hit him low. <laughs> and why did they have to let that happen? The Rock taking China off the apron. And a double clothesline with Billy Gunn takes him over. Right in front of the Triple H now. He's behind the referee's back. Cheap right hand. And Jarg and Triple H saying, what are you cheap shotting him for? Triple H saying, he can do what he wants, basically. If he wants to kick the rock's ass, he will. If he wants to do J.I., he will. So, the Ch- so China's just got away with shoving the referee and then kicking the shit out of the rock. And now Hebner's doing nothing about it. And he wants Billy to get out. China, big right hand's just choking out the rock. Now China, snap their tape down to the rock. China dropping the knee to the forehead of... The Rock. Much like Triple H. Oh! Went for a second one, but she missed. No, Rock with the right hands to China. Whip reversed by China. And Billy Gunn getting the knee up to the back of the Rock, who pleads his innocence when questioned about it by Earl Hebner. Now Billy's got the Rock. He's come back in. He's a legal man. He's going to jackhammer him. Oh! And Triple H smacking JR. And Austin's music hits. He's not happy with seeing that. Shoulder barges China on, on his way through and goes straight after Triple H. Oh, my God. The fans have gone banana. Well, JR's down and Austin and Triple H trading. Stickles. And Billy Gunn now getting caught by The Rock. Rock bottom for him. China behind. She gets hit with a huge right. Dropped. Oh, my God. And they just collapse the announce table. Austin assaulting Triple H. Well, the referee's called an end to this, and it ends mad, well, just crazily. But we do get gifted with extra attitude as Austin and Triple H continue their uh, brawl throughout the fans now. Well, it ends, I reckon, with a stunner and a cold beer. One stunner and four cold beers, please. Or four stunners and one cold beer. <laughs> you get a stunner. You get a... 
Hey. Gives a hang up. Triple H on Barry Cade, which up at the back. Returning a favour to Austin. Now the game's back in this. And now they're both in just brawling. Man a stunner. And Austin stands tall. And what a great way to leave it there. Dan, what have you thought of the WF this month? I think the storytelling has been absolutely above par. It's really free-flowing with, you know, what's going on. It's not, aside from the women's championship, you know, everything else has fallen into place so you know exactly what's going on and what's going down with it. Well, I doubt now I think it's moving towards SummerSlam, isn't it? You know, and it gives the show much-needed focus. We have something to build towards, which makes a world of difference. So, let's jump ship to the WCW. Could they recover? And how would they combat Raw? So it's episode 201 and it's July 26th, We're in the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee. We've got an attendance of 7,201. And your commentators are again Scott Hudson and Bobby the Brain Heenan. We're less than three weeks away from Road Wild. The top of the card is starting to come into focus. Nash took a very sharp hill turn last week, seemingly for no reason other than Hogan versus Nash need to be face versus hill. On top of that, Thunder actually set up some stuff for tonight, such as Nash and a mystery partner versus Hogan and whoever he can find, plus Henning versus Goldberg. Let's get to it. We open with a long recap of last week's major events. Major events. Including Sting winning control back. Savage. We get a recap of Henning challenging Goldberg from Thunder. And we get a video on Goldberg in case you've forgotten who he is because he hasn't been around for a while. Gene brings out Hogan for an opening chat and brings up Nash's challenges for the tag match tonight. Hogan doesn't have a partner, but he does have the title. Hugh Nash, Steiner and Sid to beat Hogan down until Sting makes a save. Well, we get back from a break with a recap of what we've just saw in case you'd forgotten what happened less than three minutes ago. And then we get some versus Kendall Wyndham and Bobby Duncan Jr. Well, UV wants to start and springboards in only to dive into Bobby's boat. The Rednecks take over to start with their slow Texas pummeling. It psychoses him with some fast kicks to the face followed by a springboard missile dropkick from Guerrero. Kendall comes back with a hot shot and a big lariat to take psychosis down as the Rednecks regain control. Duncan gets two, two off a shoulder breaker, setting up a Wyndham belly-to-back suplex for two. Two. This, an attempted tag to Yuvi gets nowhere, and a double bulldog is enough for the pin. And country singer Chad Brock will be performing live in two weeks. Not the yes. Chad Brock. The Chad Brock. Well, Medusa and Miss Madness will be having a match at Road Wild, but they can still insult gorgeous George. Ignore the phone ringing during this segment. And then it's Vampiro versus Rey Mysterio Jr. It is non-title because the Cruiserweight title means nothing anymore. The insane clown pussies are in Vampiro's corner because they think they're wrestlers. Well, the clowns offer a distraction low and the nail in the coffin knocks Rey silly. Vampiro goes up only to get crotched. We're not done with the clowns as Jay holds Vampiro's legs to prevent a super hurricane runner allowing Vampiro to powerbomb Rey off the ropes for the pin. 
Well, again, the match was fine, and it's nice to see someone new getting a bit of a push, even though it has to be thanks to them clowns. That being said, it was nice change of pace as the underdog good guy was fighting big odds and lost to cheating heels. That's Wrestling 101, and it's going to work every time. Well, Eddie runs out to save Ray from a beatdown. It's better late than never. Where's um, his mate? Conan. Conan got injured last week by the Texas Rednecks. Oh, he did, didn't he? Oh, well. Well, it is Vincent versus Stevie Ray. Well, you knew the good stuff wasn't going to last forever. Vincent, with Horace in his corner, rips on Stevie for having a heart about his brother before jumping Ray on the way. Ray shrugs him off and now's a hard elbow to the face, setting up a flare flop. A power slam puts Vincent down again, but he comes back with a low blow, which is totally legal in WCW. Horace tries to put it through, but Ray rips Vincent into him to knock Sergeant. Nepotism, David Flair, would be the captain, of course. Ray loads up the slapjack as Booker comes out to cut off Adams. The slapjack move is enough to end Vincent. Well, if this is what it takes to finally end, finally end the NWO, I guess I can survive it. Not a good match or anything, but at least they kept this under four minutes. Unfortunately, it means you have to see Booker T get dropped back into the tag team scene instead of moving up the card like he should. Granted, that's probably a good thing at this point. And then Sting goes into Hogan's dressing room. Well, post-match, here's President Sting to say that he's made his first decision as boss. He's going to be Hogan's partner tonight. Hogan comes out and said he's not Hollywood anymore and promises not to stab Sting in the back, which means he's going to stab Sting in the back. Sting says, that's fine. But if Hogan does screw him, Sting will get ya. Well, Jason freaking Harvey joins the broadcast booth to make up for the bad taste Arliss left on him last week. And it is Prince Ikea versus Lash LaRue. Ikea grabs a quick arm drag take Lash down but slaps him in the face. Not that it matters as Savage and George come out to beat both guys for the no contest in less than a minute in. Well, Savage babbles about running for president until Medusa and the former Miss Madness come out to insult George. Medusa is on Savage's side in this. But George is still the real problem. In a distraction, Dennis Rodman sneaks in and kidnaps George. I'm sorry, but George has been kidnapped too many times recently to just seem like it's an accident. But good news, Kiss is coming. And Savage is looking for George. And then Goldberg comes out and he says he's going to hurt Henning. And that's, that's about it. And it is the Cat versus Evan Courageous. Well, the sunset flip doesn't get Evan anywhere, so Ernie kicks him in the face. Evan comes back with a forearm and a nice springboard cost body. Cute Ono for distraction so Miller can get the shoes, but he finds bunny slippers instead of the ruby slippers. Bagwell pops up on stage with the red shoes, allowing Evan to get the roll up for the pin. Sneaky. Well, it is Mikey Whipwreck versus the real man's man, Stephen Regal. The announcers explain that Finley has injured his leg in a hardcore match last night and may never wrestle again. During Regal's entrance, a fan jumps barricade but is quickly taken down by security. As you would expect, Regal takes it to the mat and starts easy rides whip wreck. Back up, Mikey tries to quicken the pace with some arm drags and head scissors, sending Regal over the warm, to the warm, cuddling arms of Dave Taylor. Well, that distraction lets whip wreck grab a quick roll up for two. Two. And a nice pinfall reversal sequence doesn't get anyone anywhere. Regal drops the leg, but gets rolled up for the same. Now it's t- corner for the top rope Hulkin runner, only to have Taylor blasting with the Union Jack, setting up the Regal stretch for the submission. And then after the match, Mike gets covered by the Union Jack. And here are David Flair and Tory for a chat. David does all his dad's catchphrases, including to be in the man, and has Tory says he looks good. Short version of this, David will be champion as long as he wants. 
Well, Savage swears a lot and storms into Rodman's trailer with a sense of, sense of missing an F-bomb. And I hope there's no women around for when matches in his search for Dennis Rodman. Uh, Shane Douglas is here to help his friends and cut out the cancer called Ric Flair. I really don't like it when you hear wrestle angles called cancer. No, I mean, it really gets to Roman. But up next is Goldberg versus Kurt Henning. It's Goldberg's return, Dan. The long-awaited return of Bill Goldberg. Goldberg got a new theme. With my baby tonight. I mean, Kurt Henning calling out Goldberg makes sense because Goldberg is heavily associated to rap. Yeah, and this is the thing, you know, like, it makes perfect sense. Now, Henning has faced Goldberg uh, before a couple of times, I think, especially on paper when Goldberg was uh, world champion. But what I don't get, why not have Goldberg come back and be in Hogan's position? That would have made a lot more sense. But, James, you're forgetting one key what, element. What am I forgetting? This is WCW. You're right. Well, it's Goldberg music. And he smells like smoke because he's been through fire. As he breathes like a dragon. His head is already busted open. Let's just hope he's not concussed like he was against Undertaker in Saudi Arabia. And as Goldberg gets in the ring, the Texas Rednecks quickly evade. Goldberg. And it's the only time I've really seen the crowd invested is when Goldberg is in the ring at the moment. I mean, Goldberg's heavy rap tune must be getting to Kurt Henning. And Goldberg with a strength test in the early going, pushing Henning away. And a big boot to the face. As you can see Kurt Henning trying to call the match. And you can hear the fans chanting Goldberg. Huge clothesline. Pump hat. No. I thought it was a pump handle slam, but he just flips Kurt Henning over. Now Henning outside to uh, consult with his consortium of rednecks. And you can see Goldberg with blood and the sweat. And I think with Henning, you can see tears in his eyes. As he hangs Goldberg up over the top rope. As uh, the Texas rednecks... Grab hold of Goldberg's leg as a cowbell gets thrown to Kurt Henning. Knocks Goldberg for six. I mean, Goldberg may be out here and Henning could get a huge victory tonight. As he kicks Goldberg a couple of times in the ribs. Now Henning with the kicks and the punches. But Goldberg looks like having little or no effect now. As Goldberg, you can see him getting more and more pissed off as Kurt Henning tries the Mahuma chop. Goldberg fights it off, kick to the midsection. Slams Henning down. Well, Goldberg's definitely still in this match. As he's pummeling Henning now. Side slam there. As one of the rednecks comes in. He gets picked up by Goldberg and dropped. No. Bobby Duncan Jr. eats a kick to the face. And Barry Windham. A lovely butterfly suplex to him. And Goldberg is taking out four men. Huge spear. And Wendell's down. A second huge spear. There's Windham. And there's the chair. Now Henning's in with a chair. And Goldberg dares him to hit him with it. And the referee calls for the bell. Oh, no, Henning taps out because <laughs> Goldberg just shouted at him. And Goldberg looks like an absolute monster there. That's how Goldberg should always be booked. Exactly. And Goldberg's awesome and we're so pleased to see him back. Thoughts on that, Dan? Um, that is how Goldberg should be. I mean, look at all the fucking fans. This is what works for WCW. And if something works, don't deviate from it. Oh, well, Goldberg is back with a bang. Bang. Well, we get a video on Hogan versus Nash featuring a big backstory on the NWO. I give them it feel like a big deal, but it, making face Hogan versus Hill Nash has really hurt my interest in the match. 
We then get Patty Stone Grinder versus Medusa. Well, Stone Grinder is former WWF Women's Champion Lilani Kai as a biker. When Medusa in trouble as Hudson runs down an upcoming Nitro dates, Patty drops her with a butt fire suplex, but Medusa comes back with a clothesline to knock Grinder to the floor for a big dive. Back in the German suplex ends Patty to end 10 rematch. You know, I had a big rant up about how this is the best WCW can do to compete with WWF's women's division. But then I realised that Fabulous Moolah was about three months away from winning the title again. Spoiler. True that. Shane Douglas versus Scott Putzky is our next match. Well, Scott actually gets the first blows in with some clotheslines and a snap suplex for two. Two. A backdrop has Shane in even more trouble as he finally grabs a neckbreaker to take over. Prince to Shane's WCW tenure back in 92. Shane pole drives Putzky for two. Two. And we hit a chin lock. Way to show WCW that fire that you bring with you, Douglas. Patsky fights up like a jobber should and walks into the Pittsburgh plunge, which is a fisherman's buster, for the pin. So to recap, Shane Douglas is back from ECW to cut out the cancer known as Ric Flair for holding Shane down in ways he never had the time to explain. And he starts by having issues by beating Scott Patsky. Shane Douglas fan, and this is yet another reason why I feel justified in that thinking. Well, we get a US title match, and it is Chris Benoit versus the US title holder, David Flair. Well, of course, Little Nature's refereeing, and Benoit is challenging, of course. Benoit takes him down and starts to rip David's chest with chops to send the champ to the floor. David tries to leave, but Rosman tells him to keep going. Back in, and more chops have David screaming, followed by a backbreak and a line tamer. The champ taps, but Robinson just lets Von Dive sets up the crossface, only to have DDP come in with a belt shot to give David the pin and the win. <sighs> well, Malenko, Saturn, and Douglas, and the rest of the triad run in for a big brawl. The TV tells online, and it's Chase Tatum versus Rick Steiner. Well, Tatum, a no limit soldier, comes out to heavy metal. Steiner just mauls him in the corner with right hands and knees to the back. A shoulder drop Ricks for a few seconds, but sets up the Steiner Bulldog to retain. And now it's our main event on Nitro, and it's going to be Hollywood Hogan and Sting versus Kevin Nash and Sid. Wow. And Sid's delaying tactics have worked for about five minutes at the start of this match. Just pointing at Hogan as Hogan keeps batting away the hand to Sid the crowd. So Nash and Sid together then after they've um, had their problems. Does that, yes. Does that make any sense? Well, they both have power bombs as their finisher. <laughs> yeah. That is the only line of logic I can draw. And they're both terrible workers. Yeah, both quite tall. They both have blonde hair and slightly wavy. But I do think that Sid's is more of a perm. Yeah, well, Sid's definitely a perm. I mean, you know... Only Sid's hair probably doesn't travel well. The other ones, of course, with Hogan with his bandana Hogan's on. hair is travelling down the back of his head yeah. as he takes the bandana off and shoves it in Sid's mouth while he's punching away. And he started aggressively here as Hogan. Until Sid come, carries him out of the corner, slowly dropping him for a really, really terrible atomic drop, then helps Hogan up. <laughs> yeah, that lovely oh, nice. way it helped him out. Are you okay, Hogan? I hurt you. Slow arm ring. Hogan... Reverses it quickly. And that's Hogan doing a move quicker than his opponent, for fuck's sake. And that's Hogan at right hands. And Sting and Hogan playing ping pong with Psycho Sid as he gets bounced into a turnbuckle and across town for the opposite one. No, Hogan, you can't power Sid up. Sid clubs the back of Hogan. You can't 10 minutes, you know. You've got to be beaten down a lot before you slam him. 
and Sid slowly picking up Hogan for the world's slowest scoop slam. Well, time stops for Sid, but that's not a good thing. As he looks to drop the elbow, but in typical Sid fashion, he's too late to the party that takes a while. Hogan moves out of the way and starts wailing away with rights. Hogan tags Nash with the side of the head, and the referee gets in the way of Sting cutting Nash off. As a slow close on over the top rope takes ages for Sid to fall and Sting does the same with Nash. And now Hogan and Sting are standing tall in the ring together. Yep, the WWE and the president at this moment in time bossing proceedings. Well, it's good to see that the power of the title and the power of the presidency hasn't gone to the head of these two guys. Yeah, well, not yet anyway. Turned Nash again, didn't it? Even though he was just pursuing it. Indeed, yes. Well, Nash and Sting, who teamed up at the last pay-per-view, now are going to face off. Nash teasing a test of strength, but goes in for the kick, hitting Sting with some elbows and punches to the back of the head. And Nash taking lessons from Sid on how to uh, slow things down. As he sizes Sting up in the corner, but it's too slow for Sting as he gets caught napping. And Sting comes back with a flurry of offence. Irish route reversed. Sting jumps over Nash, but gets caught. Uh-oh, and now Snake Eyes... And just like that, Nash is back in control. As he tags in, who spends more time telling the crowd to shut up than actually striking his opponent. And two punches to Sting is all Sid can manage in a five-minute span. <laughs> is that the worst right hand we've ever seen? I do believe it is. Uh, uh, just Sid in his offence, dropping his head. And Sting's got a little bit of speed, you know, Look, he's still bringing it. James, a tortoise would seem fast against Sid. There's a rake to the eyes and a slowdown from Sting as he tags in Kevin Nash, who punches Sting in the ribs. I think the crying shame, Macho's more interested in uh, beating women up and finding them than he is uh, actually getting, trying to get his world title back. He's had, he's had no issue with Hogan since he yes. actually lost it. No. So, and he was teamed with Sid, so you would think maybe... Uh, Sid and... Savage Lynn Cahoots? I had no idea, you see. I don't know what's happened with Team Madness. And what happened to Big Van Vader? I know. I know you lost your US title. And we've seen no Flair. Well, no Ric Flair, unfortunately. We're getting we, a crappy yeah. knockoff version of his son. Don't, don't worry, everybody. Not missing anything. Sid has got one of his traditional rear chin locks in. Well, it doesn't look like it could crack a walnut. No. Best as cheerleader trying to get the fans into this one, but when Sid's on offence, there is just no. But Sid... Uh, but Sting powers out, slam to Sting. Uh, Sid looks for a big splash, but Sid gets his knees up. He's up. Mother Brown. No, he tags in Nash and Hogan chomping at the bit to get in. And Nash dropping a slow elbow into a lazy cover. Two. No, Sting managing to kick out. Uh. That was a Sid kick out, wasn't it? <laughs> That's a drink. And Sting fighting back from Nash, taking Sid out. But Nash hits Hogan, so Sting can't tag him. Picks him back to the corner to stag it, tag in Sid. Oh, well, let's not forget, these two big men have got tag team experience, of course. We know with Nash and Scott Hall, the outsiders, but Sid made his debut in WWE as part of the Skyscrapers. Where is Scott Hall, anyway? Scott Hall is, is a personal demon, shall we say. Oh, he's in rehab. Yeah. And Sting there accidentally, well, I don't know what he was trying to do with Nash. Well, it looked like he was going to try and leap over the oncoming Nash, but ends up with a hip attack. And Hogan wants the tag, brother. Let me in, brother. I'm going to go wild on you. And here comes Hogan. And he's on fire, baby. <laughs> clothesline, clothesline, 
Three big right hands. Up whip. Oh no, another big right hand. And now Sting and Sidder squaring off against each other as well. Sting hits a huge Stinger splash, but again the referee gets pulled in the way. Sid slowly climbs out of the ring and walks off. And now Hogan has slammed Nash. Referee's got to start thinking. Look, if that keeps happening every Stinger splash, let's not be near Sting. Uh oh. And now here's Rick Steiner to hit Sting over the back with a chair. And now he's... So this should bring Goldberg out. Hopefully. And Hogan Surely. now. Don't call me Shirley. Hogan with a big boot. <laughs> and again, taking far too long. He should have leg drop. seen Rick Steiner there. Come on. And Rick Steiner sweeps the leg, drops Hogan, throws a chair into Nash, who bounces it off the bald bounce of Hogan, busting him open immediately. One, two, three. And Kevin Nash has pinned the world champion Hollywood Hogan. Oh, but later than never. And here's Goldberg. He gets hit over the back with a steel chair. And on the knee and on the head. And Rick Steiner of Goldberg. Yes, this is not a drill. This has actually happened. Rick Steiner got the better of Bill Goldberg. <laughs> and Sid got it right at the back of the open with a drink there. But this unholy alliance of these three men, the holy trinity, as it was, of Nash, Steiner and Sid sending a message to the three faces of WCW. It's it's a story they keep telling. And I'll tell you something, I'm, I'm more interested than I uh, usually am. What have you thought of Nitro this month? It could have been a million times better if they'd have tried harder, if that makes sense. If they'd have actually, you know, made sense with some of their storylines and instead of flip-flopping people around, it could have actually been a great show. And the really, really annoying thing is, is you start getting a good match and then someone completely unassociated with the match runs in and fucks the match up. It's just one of these things, you know, you've got the good good things there, like you see the potential of the stories, uh, but you just know they're not going to deliver... And there's just too many things that it's just I just can't you know there's too more bad than there is good, but it's it's still there's still hope, isn't there? Do you know what I mean? There is still hope to change things for WSW. You know, not beating WF in the ratings war per se, but just being a successful company. And uh, we'll see if the like I said, the storyline's there now. It's Goldberg, Nash, and Sting versus Rick Steiner, Sid, and Nash, and we'll find out what happens. Next month, when we have more WCW. Well, that is it for the podcast. So we've got more WWE versus WCW. But we are now only a couple of weeks away away from SummerSlam. And, of course, we'll be live for it Saturday and Sunday night. Saturday night for the TakeOver and Sunday night for SummerSlam. More details coming soon. But that is it. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at WWE Network Review or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins. Across all the Google platforms, send us an email at WNRpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at WNRpodcast. We're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. You can come and find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network Review podcast. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, WWE Network Review Podcast, where we've got all clips on there. Podcasts got the same time on YouTube. They do other places like SoundCloud. Oh, on your phone. We're on Spreaker Radio. We've got a live show, Stitch Radio and iTunes. We can download, subscribe, rate and review there. What about the website, James? Well, the website... Why, why have you not got as much excitement? Well, you did promise us by SummerSlam, and we're only two short weeks away, and... 
every time I approach you on this, you're sounding less and less and less confident. Well, let me just tell you, it will be coming sooner rather than later for most people, or how you expect. But how would they find us if they were looking? Well, all of our information there anyway, you've got the YouTube channel, you've got the Twitter channel, you've got the Instagram and our Facebook page on there, and that is the WNRpodcast.com. I will be making an announcement about that on our live show, SummerSlam. But don't forget, our next episode is more WWE versus WCW. Until then, I have been James Rodens, and as always, I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye.